the time has come. The time is now. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we pack the gloves extra hard with a Paris of plaster-sized dose of that one and only performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, you know it, the voice that you hear. But I'm just about ready to tag in my broski Big Red for another hard-hitting, loaded episode you simply won't want to miss. Guys, you you need show, you need amazing show, just call me. I'm staying here. I'm ready for everybody. I'm, I'm staying right here, guys. And we're going to recap, of course, the weekend that was in boxing, including Mikey Garcia's big victory, his call-out of Errol Spence Jr., and what the future of the heavyweight division might look like after some sloppy wins across the pond. And Tyson Fury's claim that he's got Deontay Wilder next. A lot to get into on that front. Of course, we will preview a loaded weekend of fights as well, including the return of light heavyweight king Sergey Crusher Kovalev and a PBC slop special between Welters Andre Berto and Devin Alexander. I, I will not miss this fight. I am all over that fight. But you know, guys, it's not just reviews, previews, recaps, analysis that you come to know and love on this show. It's not even the absurd sound drops that you love more than anything else. Double kebab. Maybe two kebab. <laughs> I prefer a double kebab, but if it's not possible to get a double one, I'll eat two. You come to this show for the interviews because nobody gets the hard-hitting stuff like we do, all right? So we have a double kebab size for you today where we sit down with Andre Berto himself, and we chat Harvest, we chat VO, we chat pizza being thrown, we chat a lot of things ahead of the Alexander fight, and we also chat with the legend himself, Sugar Shane Mosley, about Mikey Garcia wanting to make a move that one Sugar Shane once did 18 years ago against Oscar De La Hoya. We'll talk about Shane's induction into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame in August as well. One more note, of course, before I unleash the big ginger, and you know what's coming next, guys. It's an audio revolution. Which side are you on? If you're on our side, you hear something today on the show that you like, you know what to do. If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate, subscribe, I don't know, put your junk on the table, whatever you have to do to make sure this show keeps moving forward. Give us a nice little paragraph there on what you like best about the show. Hey, you want to hear a guest? You want us to talk to Ron Stander? Put it in the review. We'll get the guest on that you want to talk to. And one more thing. When you wake up in the morning, you pull those covers off, and you're like Ryan Garcia. You want to see if you got some nudes there in the DMs. You want to see what slop is coming your way. Don't be afraid, though, to reach into that in-hole and check out the best highlights, the biggest sports stories available to you from the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. You want to read BC, previewing the big fights, watch a video with my mug? You want that. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to do and see before you start your day, guys, before that cup of coffee, before that morning sig in the bed, if you're that grimy, by the way. I know some of you out there are that grimy. Go to cbssports.com slash HQ daily to subscribe. But with that 15 minute intro out of the way, guys, you know the man I'm looking to bring in. Southeast Asia's own, if that's even a place. Rafe Bartholomew, he's an internationally renowned editor. Uh, he's got a basketball book. He writes newsletters. Filipino TV icon, folks. And if you're lucky, and one woman right now is, he may be your personal candy liquor. Let me lick you, lick you up. And I box you down. Give you double kick, Bob. Ray B. What do you got? Kebab. I got all the kebabs right here, baby. Let's get it on. 
Oh, I'm talking about you fired up. You, it's the summer is usually a slow time for box, but right now there's a lot going on, brother. Look, thanks to our friends over there in the United Kingdom, box never goes away. This is I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say like everyone says about their own sport, boxing is a 12 month a year sport. We cover it all year round. There's always interesting news to cover. We love it. The people love it. That's why it's doing so great. It's doing better than baseball, basketball, boxing, soccer, cricket and all the other sports. Boxing. Wow. Wow. Hey, can you update me on the crossation of your streams right now? Uh are you a ESPN Plus subscriber yet? Are you in DAZN yet? Where yet? You still illegal? What's going on? I'm waiting to get in to DAZN, but DAZN is not available for me to get up in there yet. There's no in-hole, as you like oh, to say come yet. On. Come uh, on. You know, I try to cross streams only in the urinal areas, but sometimes I will do that in uh, in the digital realm as well. Uh, no, actually, Brian, I am still a free agent in the streaming era. All right, all right. Well, we want to start our show the right way, how we like to start a lot of ways with that morning bird call, of course. Let's do the bird call, morning bird call. Early. Were you doing the Strohmile Swift hand gesture there that he used to do after he'd slam it down for the Grizz? The Birdman. That's that's old, you know, cash money, no limit. Oh, wow. wow. I love that right there. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, uh, teasing the bag a little, I, mm. I, I got a couple interviews in the hopper, possibly for next week, with Sean Porter and Danny Garcia to talk about that September 8th welterweight title that we like to talk about. I don't want to give away too much, but we got Danny breaking down Angel's greatest hits. And we're going to get the inside story on some of the biggest moments in Angel history from... To... But this is what I got for Oscar. I got fish, scale. Hit me up on the low, Oscar on the deep. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You're going to get the inside story, all right? You're going to hear Danny's trips to the strip club with Angel. There's a lot of good stuff coming out of there. Sean Porter talking about his ultimate sack. Don't miss next week. But let's get into this week's show. And there's another Garcia. It's Mikey. And he unified lightweight titles over the weekend in Los Angeles in your backyard, Raphael. Last week, you surprised me by telling me you showed up at Jaime Munguia's homecoming there when his grandmother pulled out the teeth. And did you see that? that, that footage, oh, I, I enjoyed that very much. Yes. Were you there over the weekend when Garcia took a dominant, dominant late, I'll say dominant late, unanimous decision over Robert Easter Jr. Close fight early. Mikey pulled away and put it away when he needed to to put those 135 titles together and spin that narrative forward to talk Errol Spence, which we'll get to. But were you there, and what did you think of his performance? Well, Brian, I was not there. Oh, I was visiting on. some friends up in uh, Northern California. However, I was watching on a laptop on Saturday night, and, yo, I would call that performance dominant all the way through. I know he had to work early, and, and that Robert Easter Jr. probably won a couple early rounds. I, I even know some people may have had it, you know, even, except for the knockout, knocked down through six rounds. But, hell... I think Mikey was figuring that out, and he clearly did figure that out and, and swept the rest of the fight. I'll call that board dominant. Yeah, I don't care. All right. I mean, that's, you know, you thought, you, you thought he was getting up in that ass. I mean, he was. He, and he, what he proved to you at 135, look, he's a problem for everybody because that power is so real. So even though Robert Easter fought a really smart game plan early, used his absurd 8-inch reach advantage, 5-inch height advantage, used the speed, jabbed well. There were a couple points in the couple in, the, let's say, at the two and a half round mark where I'm going, hey, Mike, if you don't start 
upping the output, this could be a sneaky close fight in the end. Well, he upped the output to the point that he landed a big shot. And once Easter went down, the fight didn't change for good. It wasn't like when Mosley tasted Pax power that time and went down and was like, I'm done, guys. I'm done, right? Or, or Curtis Stevens against Triple G, right? But it was kind of like, you know, Easter had one more stand in him later, specifically that ninth round, which was the best ra- fight of the, you know, best round of the fight. But he wasn't the same guy after that. And Mikey has the power to do that. And once he figured out how to get inside that jab, once he gave Easter reasons not to live and die with the jab, Rafe, it was a different fight because this guy, Mikey, is just so damn accurate. I mean, he's a robot in the right ways, right? Like he's just a machine in there that just, he doesn't miss. It's crisp. It's perfect. I got nothing bad to say about the guy. There's no holes in that game, right? Maybe he doesn't have top-level hand speed, but there's really no holes. He cuts off that ring Golovkin-like. Yeah, you know, it's... You say that it doesn't have, he may not have hand speed, but with the straightness, the timing, I don't know. That seems like it negates any lack of hand speed that may be there. If you, if he can create the angle and land the punches he needs to land and land them as clean and hard as he needs to do, which he seems to do against every level of opposition that he's faced. I'm not too worried about that guy's hand speed and Easter. Yeah. He had a, nice game plan to give Mikey some trouble, right? He used his physical advantages. But after that, I didn't really see Easter had a way to capitalize on that into a a, a real winning strategy. It was a way to make it a competitive fight, but I think that's where it topped out for Easter. Yeah, I give Easter's chin credit. I give his toughness. He didn't necessarily fold up like I I sort of maybe teased there. He, He still tried to win, but the second half of the fight, Rafe, it was survival mode for him. It really was. I mean, I don't know if you can criticize him because most 135s not spot get knocked out, right? Your guy, Dehan Zlatichinen, you know, yes, my pronunciations are off. That ended his career, man. Zlatichinen got, got knocked out in the second round of a comeback fight on Broadway boxing a couple weeks, wow. uh, months ago. Well, you lose your soul on Broadway boxing on the MSG network here, you're, or the Yes network. I don't even know where that airs anymore. Look, I, I ride with MSG. I go all the way back to Mike Quick. Oh, on yes. The, uh, on the, the high school sports That's what I'm show. talking oh about. That guy was that the was, best. That was the best, yeah. Oh, I love I, I used to love that channel back in the day. Now it's like all uh, – is this – I don't even know. Is this still a thing? It's still a thing, right? Yeah, the network is still there. We got – I mean, you know, Knicks fans got to watch something. We got to right. get our Clyde fix. Yeah. I liked when life was regionalized back then, you know. It's just but, a different but time today. Speaking of Clyde and, and nice language, Mikey Garcia, he was – he was percolating a little on on Saturday night. Let's get he was it. percolating bum, after bum, the fight as well. Let's get it percolating. Yeah, yeah. We should just go back to ropes karaoke full time. Screw this boxing stuff, right? You know what I mean? Like shout out to the Irish crew, but I just want to do stuff like this all day. Oh yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Did you see Jim Gray, by the way, uh, almost basically ruined that, uh, that Danny Garcia, Sean Porter press conference the other day where like they were trucking trash and Danny had a ridiculous shirt on. Sean's got this afro puffing out. They look like they might fight. And Jim Gray's like sea blocking everybody. Why is he allowed no, over no. there? No, 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 no. Gentlemen, gentlemen, come on, come on. This is a pre- This is not a fight yet. The fight. No, 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 no. And then did you notice when Sean Porter tried to apologize to to Jim for for that moment, the hey, hey, hey moment? And Jim's like, well, yeah, you should apologize. 
And then Danny's like, no, 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 he should apologize to me. And Jim Gray knows, no, he ruined my interview. He should apologize to me. Jim Gray, get off the stage. And by the way, I've met Jim Gray. He's a nice guy in person. This isn't an anti-Jim Gray rant. But you're ruining great stuff. You're like Jack Reese. You're the ultimate C-blocker, right? I, I'm, I'm almost ready to do the full circle on, on our guy, Jim Gray, and say that He's managed to turn that into his persona now. Now, I, now I'm watching a Jim Gray interview, not for the good interview or when he's going to challenge the fighter a little bit to to be a little more honest or admit that he might have done something wrong. I'm really just watching for the the weird botched interaction that's going to come when Jim Gray gets offended by something. I like when he was more willing to take L's back in the day, and we could get stuff like this. <laughs> I beat Polly. I left with his belt and his girl. You know, he had a, he had a much quicker hook, a much longer hook back then, if you will. I don't know what longer hook means, but you know what I'm saying. You know, it wasn't like, now it's showtime at the Apollo. He's like the Sandman. He's just pulling people away. No, you will not mess with me. It's like, remember that time Max tried to stop Shane Mosley from running in on Floyd? That was like the greatest moment ever. Stop. It's not about you. You hold a microphone. By the way, I've held that microphone in the ring. It wasn't about me either. It's about the damn fighters. Let the slop happen. That's why what, we watched this fight. What fight was that where you were doing the after, the, the in, the in ring oh, interviews? A couple FNFs for ESPN. Very I nice, did the great, nice. uh, Sergio Mora, AB Han matchup from, from early 2015. And who can forget in Hialeah, Florida, when I did the, uh, Brightest Prescott versus Frederick Lawson FNF main event, you know? I mean, come on. Obviously you did. You forgot. You, obviously you did. All right. That's great. It's a great, great moment. I would, you were being busy that day. Yeah. Yeah. How busy though? That's, that's really ultimately, you know, the first. How busy would you like to be this year? Busy. Uh, Rafe <laughs> Garcia looked great. Nobody at 35 can beat him outside of maybe Loma and that would be a career defining super fight. I don't want to just rehash the same conversation we had last week of, is Mikey serious? Should he do this? Should he really go up and fight Spence? But that's sort of where the story's going because Mikey, after the fight, was not backing down. He wants Spence next. Shout out to Showtime for having Spence there, by the way, getting him not just an interview afterwards, but then putting him up up above the arena on, on the where he went into even deeper detail. He's like, look, it's an easy fight for me. This is an easy fight for me. Will we see this business-wise? Do you see any reason this does not happen next? Well, I thought it was interesting that Danny Garcia at yesterday's press event was asked about it. And he's like, man, Mikey is just BS in here. He's he's got some other play in mind and he's just using it as a publicity angle. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but it was interesting to see another top level fighter in the welterweight division sort of poo pooing that move. Well, let me stop it you. Seems and to ask me you. like Mikey is too far down this road to make a U-turn. Well, let me ask you to try to clarify what Danny may be saying. Is he saying that Mikey really wants to fight Lomachenko and knows that it'll be a tough negotiation with Aram based on their history and their divorce, knows he'll get lowballed, so is trying to create the idea that he's going to fight Spence for big money to use in leverage in getting the Lomachenko price up. Did I just make that up in my head? That sounds pretty good right there. Brian, it was like a three three minute fight uh fight hype or not a fight hype, Marcos Viegas is one. Um Fight uh, Hub. Fight Hub. It was yeah. like a three-minute Fight Hub re- interview, Brian. He did not go into that level of detail. So I'm not I, – I, he could have just been saying Mikey's not allowed in the Latin Goonies rap crew. I don't know. Oh, how uh, dare you. But like he, he was saying – that. I think the way I interpreted the comments was that Danny was saying that Mikey just is too small, which is what a lot of people believe, and that that, that that fight makes no sense for him to fight 
one probably the biggest of these this crew of really good welterweights top welterweights and a guy that just doesn't make a whole lot you look at that fight it doesn't make sense i think it doesn't make sense to danny either so he's assuming there must be some other end game in in mikey's mind well spoiler alert we're gonna have porter and danny garcia next week talking about whether they believe this is a good move. Double spoiler alert. We're going to have Andre Berto today because that interview is pre-recorded. Talk about whether he thinks this is a good move. And Berto was the only one, and I'll give a little bit of a way to think it was. And he's basically saying, don't you think Mikey's a smart fighter? Don't you think he sees something in Spence that we don't? And don't you think he's got a long history of sparring Maidana, a full-fledged welterweight in camp, that he's not afraid of moving up to that size? That was the first guy, by the way, the the, the wisdom of Berto. I love it. The harvest is coming. That was the first guy that was where I was like, you know what? Maybe he's right. Why am I fearing that Mikey's going to die in there against Spence? He's a smart dude. He's financially, he's really calculated and smart. In the ring, really calculated and smart. He's not going to go into this unless he really believes it, right? Yeah, Brian, I, I listened to the Burrow interview and I did not want to, you know, blow the load on it. But since you already have, uh, I think uh, I, I, it was a good point. It, and it reminded me of uh, an older interview from a few months ago with Terrence Crawford's trainer, Brian McIntyre, Bomac, where he's saying they're asking him about, oh, what about Bud and Spence? And he's like, man, he basically dismisses it, saying and obviously Bomac talks big, but he and and perhaps eats big uh but bomac <laughs> oh, was how saying dare you so what you can't you can't deny it man i mean he's getting boo boy boo like boo boy bomac is gonna be a a a real uh sort of undercard fight someday wow, maybe anyway. like triple g he just likes Yo. meat i eat steak every day <laughs> no, seriously i like <laughs> meat i'm not big yeah. no just i'm small guy just i need energy you know just he needs that carne every day come on i need energy yeah he requires energy to train um no, Bomac was saying basically that they see something too that they that they think, oh, this is a fight that is not as hard for us as everyone is going to guess it is. What the heck are people? What are these guys seeing that that the rest of the boxing world doesn't? I mean, can you have any? Is anything come to mind? Well, obviously, I think there's levels to this, right? I can hear Jimmy. No, no, I no. can hear Jimmy. No, you know, I... some of us can, I guess, see Jimmy, but we can't. We can't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you get, perceive. you get, we can't perceive you. I mean, these guys can, can, they have, they have different glasses on. So yeah, I, I mean, obviously Mikey in his, in look, he's got a smart brother and Robert Garcia's trainer that the father, Ed, was it, Eduardo is, is, is always on top of this. But here's where it's interesting from their comments. Eduardo, the dad, former trainer of Fernando Vargas, the patriarch of the family, the, the crazy one says he wishes his son would fight Pacquiao and not Spence. He's not really on board with Spence. Whereas Robert Garcia, the brother, says, hey, look, I've been talking to Top Rank. I'm close with them. I've been talking to people not named Aram, and they're telling me that they don't want Loma to fight Mikey. They think we're going to blow through Loma. So that's why they're sort of okay with this. I know Bob Aram then gave an interview with Cop yesterday of, of Ring and was like, no, no, no. We'd love to make the, the Mikey-Loma fight. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. I don't know if I believe that. Anyway, uh, interesting set of points here flying in that I don't know if they're fully on board but Mikey is. And Mikey in the past, when he cut the ties with Top Rank, that wasn't a decision that he talked with Robert about or his dad. He did that on his own. He is he's, – he's his own man. I mean, he, he's been proven that he's going to make these decisions. He's a, he's a very cerebral dude. He sees something, right? If there's an angle, there's something. But you know what? Everyone says that ahead of a big fight, though. That's the thing. Every Floyd yeah. fight, right? Robert Guerrero. 
thought he saw somebody, right? I mean, all he ended up getting was the raw dog, though. You touched the real one. This is what I asked. This is what you gonna get. This is you gonna get. This. That's what I want. The real deal. The raw dog. He did. He, he got the raw dog for a round and a half, and then Guerrero gave up. But that's not the point. Um, I don't know what they see, Rafe. I mean, Spence is really next, 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 next level. I just think. Somehow Andre Berto made me a little bit more confident that this is a fun chess match that I want to see rather than one of those things where I go, hey, dare to be great, but also dare to be stupid, right? Well, look, in the dare to dare to be great annals, I don't I don't see this as a Canelo, Amir Khan Canelo type fight, which was a knockout waiting to happen. I think that this will be a real fight. I think that Mikey will give Errol trouble in ways that we haven't seen before. I mean, if you think about it, Errol Spence has fought really one elite fighter, right? Kell Brook. And, I, and some people may not even be as high on Kell Brook as I am, but I think that Brook is good and came and came and came into that fight looking to win and fighting well in the, before he got broken down. Uh, I think Mikey is on a whole nother level as a boxer and can do things that, that, uh, that Spence just hasn't seen before in a professional ring. Uh, so it will be, I think it, it will be a fight. It's just as the rounds go on, it's hard to imagine Spence not being able to to overwhelm and and put that on him. But I wanted to ask you, Brian, about the Eduardo Garcia Pacquiao suggestion. Maybe Mikey should listen to his dad on this one. That's and the breakthrough make you fight. There's there's breakthrough make you fights on your rise, right? That's the one. That's the one where he could he could kind of shave the husk off of Pack and become a star, become the star that Richard Schaefer said he could that's be. That's bigger for him than beating Spence right now. Yes. It's stupid. I mean, but to the hardcores, we'll get like, people who know boxing will give you Garcia a million times more credit if he managed to beat Errol Spence. But career wise. Beating Pacquiao is bigger for his career right now than beating than than, than anything he could it's do. It's even against bigger Spence. than beating Lomachenko. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's weird because, like, I love what Mikey's doing here in this sense. He's not about the money, even though he went away for two years to get control business wise of his career, which would seem it's about the money. Like we talked about, he didn't jump at Hearn. He didn't jump at Schaefer. He didn't just take everyone's millions up front. He's doing this his own way, and he's showing you he is about the glory. He is about the, I think I'm the best in the world. I want to do anything it takes to show you that. And he's saying he thinks Lomachenko's an easier fight, so he wants the hardest friggin' fight available to him. And I totally respect that, but you're right. Man, you should be going in the direction of Pack because, by the way, that'd still be a fun competitive fight. We'd still be saying the same things of, is Mikey over his head a bit at 47? Will Pack's power hit him? You win that. That's a big-time pay-per-view. You become a star. Interesting, though, I think the Spence-Garcia fight's easy to make. They're both on Showtime. But there's a lot of talk that it would go to Showtime pay-per-view so that Showtime wouldn't have to pay for it up front. That thing would die on pay-per-view, though. I tend to agree. Neither guy has fought uh, in a headline pay-per-view event. Uh, neither guy seems to have that sort of buzz they could sell. They don't have the – and I don't even know how the promotional engine of ESPN will help – will actually pan out when they decide to do a big Lomachenko or Crawford pay-per-view on, through ESPN with Top Rank. But but Showtime doesn't even have that available to them. So this is really just saying we need to pay these guys a lot and we're hoping that we get enough hardcores to foot the bill. I want to see it on CBS. There's probably not enough money in there for that, but I'd like to see Showtime or CBS say, hey, look, we're just going to pay the money because the, and we're going to bill it as you want to see the best fighter in the sport? Well, the winner of this fight is the best fighter in the sport. Forget Lomachenko because this would be a bigger win for either of these guys than even Lomachenko has put forth. And now you can argue and, that, of course, but that, that'd be a selling point. No, it absolutely would. And I think 
you know, the, the other thing that keeps guy, I'm sorry to bring back Manny one more time, but man, if, if Garcia has this, this blood feud with top rank that we believe is there, this, this deep animosity between the two of them, between the two sides, Mikey Garcia's camp and his former promoters at top rank, isn't sort of stealing, stealing Manny going out into the fighting Manny in some weird country where top rank can't get their, <laughs> con- con- their, their contractual hooks in them, taking that win away from either Lomachenko or Crawford, basically ruining the master plan for the top rank ascendancy. Isn't that the, the, the better F you to Bob Arum and Todd DeBuff and that whole crowd, if that's something that's also in Garcia's mind. I don't think mind. it's I don't... as easy as you think it is, though. Just like, well, Manny's in another country, international waters. There's no rules. Good luck chasing him down, Bob. Bob's a gangster, right? Bob's gone to international waters, and you know he's done gross things there with a lot of women. Never screwed so many in my life. This guy's lighting up the green stuff. This guy is not going to let Manny make money off of one of his divorcees and Mikey Garcia. Heck no. My, Bob is still in control. I feel like all these rumors are true, and Manny still owes him $50 million, And until Pac dies, Bob will outlive him and keep be pulling off every red cent <laughs> that he will. If Manny goes back to selling cigarettes on the street corner, Bob's getting half of that. And you know this man. So just back up that talk right there. But the, the spinoff further debate is this. Mikey, the real breakthrough fight is Lomachenko. So, so really, why are we not doing this? Is it that you don't think you get a good deal from Bob? Is it that you really think it's an easier fight? Mikey's not actually tied to any promoter or network. So in theory, he could go to ESPN, fight Loma. If they want to gamble and, and F around, try to get a triple double and make that an ESPN pay per view, then they can try that. But Loma versus Mikey is like the best lightweight fight you could make sense. Like insert the last unbelievable great lightweight fight i mean you can make the the kind of stretch that this is number one pound for pound against what like number three or four like you can do whatever you want there and play with the numbers but the point in the end is mikey if you say that's an easier fight then why not do this first and then since you're a free agent slowly build up to 47 and face all those guys not just spence face all those guys right why are you not doing this mikey what's going on here Rafe, get in Mikey's head. Put the cowboy hat on. Load up the six-shooter. What's really happening in the minds of, of Miguel Angel Garcia? Well, first of all, that the Loma, I don't think Lomachenko is available for Mikey Garcia this year. He's coming off shoulder surgery, and yes, he plans to fight again, but – in all of this, his press and including some Ukrainian videos I watched with subtitles and this I don't guy, know you're if everywhere. subtitles you're are everywhere. Accurate, but hey – uh, he's, everything I've seen has said that Lomachenko wants to come back, but he wants to fight someone a little, a, a lighter touch than, than Mikey Garcia in that comeback fight, his first one back from surgery. Uh, now maybe if the Garcia fight were put on the table as like a now or never type thing for December, Lomachenko, who, who seems to have those kind of balls, would just say, all right, let's do it. F it. We're, I don't care. I will, I'll beat him one handed if my shoulder goes out. I already did it to Linares. Um, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of that bravado there, but I don't think that is the plan. So, if we're talking about waiting for Lomachenko, that probably means next year. That probably means another fight for both of them before then. So it's not quite the this is the next step thing that, that people are necessarily portraying it as. But I it would be a, it would be a shame if we never see that fight uh, because I don't. It's hard to imagine if. Well, no, that's not true. 
I was going to say, if, if Garcia went to 147 and won, he's not coming back to 135. There's just too much money in that division. There's too many. I, I don't, I don't know if it's a good long-term career play. You can't flow like that. You, body-wise, it's not smart, right? Maybe he, maybe he's the, the Anthony Mundine of Oxnard, California. Ah, that's a good point where you just, you're like a ghost. You just float weights. I don't know. Maybe he's got some secret injection that allows him to lose all the weight instantly. Another hot beef injection. I'm not trying to say what he does behind the scenes. I'm just saying, I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting topic. It's going to be dominating our, our talks. You're going to hear Berto talk about it later. We already teased that. The, the great news is, is that Mikey wants to dare to be great. And we're going to see a big fight and we're going to have a lot to talk about. I love Mikey. You can't hate on him. I love where, who he is, where he's going, the direction that he wants to take his career. I wish more people had big balls. The problem with having big balls and acting like Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns is that we've seen too many of those guys, you know, end up with slurred speech at age 41. So when you're in this fan journalism role criticizing these guys, it's like, that's why you can't get too mad at Floyd, right? But. Every once in a while, when these guys have the balls to do a Kell Brook and move up and fight Triple G or Khan and move up and fight Canelo, whether it's ill-advised or not, I do respect the gumption, right? Because people thought Ray Leonard was going to get killed when he came back from a eye injury multiple years and moved up to middleweight to fight the killer Hagler. I mean, things happen, and that's how you make your legend, Rafe. That's how you build your damn balls, right? Like, oh, man, one day I just wish somebody could just say this about me. The guy has balls. I want one time in my life. There's one dare-to-be-great moment left in me as a journalist and podcaster. One of these days, Rafe, I'll have that moment in time where Bob Barrett will come on here and be like, that guy Campbell, I never screwed him so many times. And No, 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 Bob, wrong soundbite. Oh, that, that guy Campbell has balls, right? right he Joe? podcasts like a straight gangster. Oh, my God. God. Bang, bang. bang, bang, indeed. All right, Rafe, with the Mikey Garcia portion behind us, did you see that co-main event on Saturday from L.A. when the real King Kong, Luis Ortiz, made his return from getting knocked out by Deontay Wilder in that exciting fight to send that big 6-7 Boxino dude to the south side of hell in a couple rounds, Razjan Kojanu. Yeah, I mean, big-time punching. I mean, I you know, Razjan, hey, bro. That, hey, that black guy, he hits hard. I mean, you're damn right. What do you got to say about this, Rafe? Oh, Brian, he made us look good. We were on here last week saying Luis Ortiz does not disappoint in squash matches. And <laughs> outside of the Malik Scott episode, that is still true. Uh, that may be Eddie Hearn's greatest, biggest L he's ever taken in the last five years is Malik Scott versus Luis Ortiz during Ortiz brief dabblement with uh, Matchbox. But no, uh, over Koyanu. It was another one of those fun Ortiz knockouts. That guy hits you clean. You're in trouble, especially if you're a second-tier heavyweight. Now, Rafe, we or know— Or third or fourth tier. Absolutely. We know last week that me personally, big milestone in my life— Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! So you know that I'm 40. Apparently, Luis Ortiz is 39. That's the oldest 39 that there ever, ever, ever was. I know we make this joke a lot. He's really 56. How old do you think he really is, Rafe? I don't care. I, I really don't care. He's either, he, he's old already. That's all that matters. He's old and still fighting at a high level for an old guy. But I don't think he's, if he's a little older, what difference does it make? When you're 39 in boxing, what difference does it make to pretend you're 
39 instead of 42 or 45. You're, you're close to being washed. You're two fights away from two fights away from being shot. So you better make it count now. Wow. Wow. Did you watch, um, over the weekend on ESPN when Masayuki Ito defeated Christopher Diaz by dominant unanimous decision to win a junior lightweight title that uh, apparently was an upset? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it was an upset because Diaz was the house fighter, but we, we didn't really know anything about him. We didn't know anything too much about Ito coming in. All thing I knew about Diaz was that he looked like a like an old Paula Abdul backup dancer or something, which <laughs> often doesn't mesh with boxing. But sometimes you can do both. I mean, Macho Camacho had a little bit of that in him, and he had a great career. Uh, but Diaz is no macho man, and uh, Ito showed us. Yeah, I, I didn't care coming in, and now, like Angel said. I don't care about Matisse's life. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. Uh, you know, I did care about sloppy heavyweight fights from England, and we got two of them over the weekend. Heck, three, the, yeah, three. Three, oh, three. I want to hear about this third. Well, let's deep get... on the undercard. Deep on deep, the undercard. Wow, we had our guy David Allen, the white oh, rhino. Yes. The bulge packer of the world. And he got a crazy overhand right, one punch knockout over a guy, undefeated, young, younger British prospect who was probably supposed to beat him. Uh, watch out for the white rhino. Oh man, that guy put his hand Right into clitoris. The gloves have, uh, that I use in clitoris is, uh, you know, I like this glove. It's my glove, so. Yeah, yeah, so, so. Okay, the one I really want to, shout out to the white rhino. Well done. The one I really want to talk about most, Dillian White. Why? I didn't see this coming, Rafe. I thought Joseph Parker was better than this. Apparently, he's back to eating his Burger King uh, uh, sponsorship. Here's the thing I'll tell you about this, and I may lose my boxing card. I didn't get a chance to watch this. I'm, I'm knee-deep in New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 tournament, which means you got to watch about 78 matches a week. I did not watch this, but I'll tell you what happened. White dropped Parker twice, and he survived a 12th round knockdown of his own to win a decision on these oddball scores of 113-112, 115-110, and 114-111. Did you watch it? If you did, tell me about it. Yeah, let me save, let me preserve some legitimacy for this boxeo slash wrestling podcast that we are hosting today uh and say yes i did watch that fight and it is it was a fun sloppy fight pretty interesting because there were uh so there were two white had two knockdowns officially the first knockdown was off of a pretty clear headbutt uh, that the ref missed. This was the whole day, the whole affair, both the co-main and the main had good examples of, of the, the class of UK referees, if you know what I mean. Uh, well, they, they used some of their panache, uh, in, in helping the home fighters achieve their results. Uh, uh, so the ref missed that first knockdown. So Parker lost a point there. And then I hope you at least saw the, the highlight of that monster left hook knockdown in the ninth round that White had against Parker. I did I mean, not. I have not oh seen Oh my a, God. A, you gotta look at it. I mean, it is a, you know, I mean, this is, this is hyperbole. If I were Max Kellerman on HBO saying this right now, I would have a million people calling me an idiot on Twitter, but it was a right on the button. The money punch for Dillian White, which is his left hook and just the way Parker crumbled, you thought he looked like he might not get up. It was some Ernie Shavers, Larry Holmes type stuff <laughs> to get up from that and continue fighting was pretty impressive. Um, but that was the, one of the only impressive things that we saw from Parker who uh, it was hard to, he came out hot. He came out fast. He looked pretty good. 
And after that knockdown, which he, it turns out, didn't realize was a knockdown or was it was a headbutt. He thought he got knocked down. Uh, and either he was dazed from that or he just, he struck, it just changed the fight for him. He fought a little lackadaisical. He had his, he had his hands down. He looked day, he looked tired a lot. Didn't use his speed as much. Didn't, it just, it, it was a, it turned into a, a pretty, uh, disappointing performance from a guy who, Still looked like he should have been better than White in the ring, but you got to give White all the credit that he deserves for turning it into a really dirty, right. mauling kind of fight. A lot of holding and hitting, throwing him over the ropes, at, throwing Parker over almost all the way over the ropes at times, and 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 then you know throwing punches, getting in there. The thing about White, that guy fights. He he's he wants it. He goes let after. Me, let me it. stop it makes you. Him tough. I didn't see it, so I have a speed round of questions. These cannot be long answers. These need to be quick. But we're gonna get to Chisora in a minute. But Chisora said this about Joseph Parker afterwards. Essentially, I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. No, that's that's too hard. He says he doesn't think Joseph Parker should or will fight again. What what the heck happened here? Because Parker had a good game plan against Joshua, just didn't step on the gas, didn't try to win it. I thought in the end. What happened here? Uh, again, I didn't see this fight. So, quick answer: Is Parker done at the elite level? The way the reason they're saying that is because he looked disinterested. He had that look of someone who doesn't have the hunger anymore. Now, I think you give a guy the benefit of the doubt one more fight before you make you give him the Prince Nassim. But it, I understand why they're saying that. All right, Eddie Hearn came out afterwards and said, "I want to, I, I want because when White wins." Right away, we're like, oh, here we go. This is Eddie Hearn's plan. Guess what? We're not getting Wilder Joshua next because we're probably getting Joshua White too. But no, hold the phone. Eddie had a curveball. And the curveball is he wants Wilder to fight White, most likely on zone, and wants to give him like seven to eight million to do that. So let me ask you this. Was this a performance from White that leads you to believe he's a legitimate title contender? Yes, yes. If you get a win over Joseph Parker, even a one who, even a Joseph Parker who doesn't look particularly good on the night, yes, that you deserve that fight. You deserve it, or at least you deserve to be in consideration for it. Absolutely. All right, I'm done with questions on that that to fight. By the way, I do want to talk about the fight I did see because it was shorter and it was crazy destructive, and I was on Twitter at the right time and I saw it. Derek Chisora, not fully washed at age 34, sent. Carlos Takam on a Titanic-sized boat trip to hell, Rafe, with some of the most disastrous, demolishing power punches in a heavyweight fight I've seen in a while. You know those punches where you don't hit them square in the knuckles, you hit them with like the the front of your hand? Took Takam down, and then when he got back up, just swiped the soul from his chest, like Indiana Jones in the Temple of the Doom when that guy pulls the heart out. It was kind of like that, Rafe. Wow, did not see this coming. I thought Chisora's was a bag of bones. And Takam, who looked good against Joshua, by the way, when they set that indoor attendance record. What happened here? Holy crap. Yeah, well, you know, that, that kind of a weird subplot is this to this is the last two Anthony Joshua opponents whom Joshua looked not amazing against. Both got knocked out. Not, not, both lost, got knocked down. And one of them got knocked out. And it makes you question, well, there, you know, obviously you could say, well, it was after they fought Joshua, they weren't the same fighters, but you can also look at it and say, wow, maybe why did, why didn't Joshua, a guy, 
who we has already knocked out Dillian White. We know, you know, there's no, we, we should never have to fight Derek Chisora in his life. How come he couldn't finish these? How come he couldn't get a clean finish? The Takam the, the finish for Joshua, that was BS. That was some UK BS. Um, so yeah, how come he couldn't get a, 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 a like more defining performances against these guys? Yeah, I'm with you on that, but hey, Chisora keeps himself oh, alive. Nasty fight. What an awesome, just sloppy back and forth. Chisora, I, when he, I, he, you know, he looked like he was on his way out. He, he was gassed at certain points, but he was fighting pretty clever off the ropes and it was a fun ass fight, man. I love fun ass fights. I wonder if we're going to see a trilogy now with, with Fury. Maybe Chisora becomes a get well Fury comeback fight after he takes out Francesco Pianetta. Well, you know, you know that the the Gypsy King has bigger things on his mind. There it is. Let's get right into it. Let's shout out to the Irish crew. We love to do that every week on this show. Hey, oh! Here we go. Right here. Take a punch just like Mike Tyson. Take a punch just like Mike Tyson. Take a punch just like Mike Tyson. That ish house, Tyson Fury, came out this week, and so did his promoter, Frank Warren, and said, Hey, guys, we're in negotiations with Deontay Wilder. And then today, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it is, Tyson Fury tweeted, we're 99% done. Lot to talk about here. One, it smells fishy. Wilder hasn't tweeted or said anything. Uh, Shirley what? Winkle hasn't <laughs> tweeted or said anything. Ah, no, he didn't say that. Uh, Al Heyman hasn't said anything. By the way, Al Heyman doesn't say anything. What you got? There was from? one. The, the, one of the the co-manager JD Dees Dees Nuts. Cop talked to Mike Coppinger talked to Dees Nuts, who is like the co-trainer. Right, and he's I the guess guy the third who, when manager. You see his name in 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 the Wilder, like as when he's the source for the Wilder story. Yeah. He's like the Mike Cons of old in the Pacquiao story. It's like talking about to Freddie and saying, "Hey, you think Pacquiao's gonna fight uh, whoever?" Yeah, of course. Uh, so, but he did confirm that there is some discussion there. So that it be that December. Says it's possible. December in New York or Vegas, Showtime pay per view. Holy cow! The the so I had a lot of emotions the last day sorting this out. First, I was like, no, this doesn't make sense because I th- I always thought Fury needs more time and he's the prize for the winner of Joshua Wilder. And it makes sense. Prize meaning he's the lineal champion who still hasn't been beaten. So he's that guy you break glass, you know you're going to sell a lot of money. You break glass in case of emergency, you make the fight happen. But then to spin it around and use him as a lead-in, storyline-wise, if Wilder wins, he gets something up, one up on Joshua that Joshua doesn't have. I beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. I'm the real man now. I don't know on the negotiation table if that helps him. In theory, it should. And then obviously there's the idea that a Fury can drop a couple more stone, can take the put on the right headphones to listen to the right dose of performance-enhancing audio, and can get as close as he can to 2015 Fury, he's still kryptonite for your boy Deontay, and you know this man. And suddenly it's like, could they? Could he ruin that Joshua Wilder fight? Could unbeaten Fury versus unbeaten Joshua be the biggest fight we could ever make ever? It's a lot of craziness here, Rafe. Just as crazy as it is to say this is not real, and both sides are using it to F Hearn and Joshua. Where do you stand on this outside of me wanting to play this? Anthony Joshua. Where do you stand on Anthony Joshua? Oh, he's not even a part of this. Where do you stand on this? 
Look, I think it makes some sense for – well, it definitely makes sense publicity-wise, right? These guys are in the business of getting their names out there, and <clears throat> they're doing it right now. So does it lead to an actual fight? I don't know. It, it kind of depends on what you think is happening with Fury. If he is actually building to something, if he's actually making a, a, a sort of measured comeback – or is he, or is, do we think maybe he's cashing out? Or maybe we think that Fury is the, the, the kind of guy who he can't come back slow, right? I, I do think there may be something to that. Fury doesn't make a whole lot of sense as a guy who can, can get up for these Sefer Safari, Antonio Pigafetta, Pianetta, Pigo Digo, whatever the guy's name is. He, he does, I think we're just going to see bad versions of overweight clown fury in those fights. And he may need the, the, a real challenge. He may need to just throw himself into something, a real dangerous situation to see if he still has something like 2015 Tyson Fury in him. And he better hope the answer is yes, because the answer is no, it's going to be nasty. For him. So that's what I love that you said that. And that makes a ton of sense because Let's say you're talking to somebody who didn't watch Tyson Fury's career and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to say, go watch a couple of his fights and tell me what you think. If they happen to watch the Klitschko fight first, they'd be like, oh my God, this guy is like something we've never seen at heavyweight. Six, nine, quick hands, elusive, crazy style. He's almost like a Loma Floyd of heavyweights. Or they can watch all those other fights where he came in fat and didn't care, like punched himself in the face. Like, remember that Joey A. Bell fight? That was, like, just comes in sloppy, gets dropped by Cunningham the fight before. Vinny Madelow. I mean, just there's just some slop in there. Uh, like, the first Chisora fight, he boxed his ears off, looked good. Second Chisora fight, he was eating a lot. So you're right. He needs to be in something that has danger for him to actually care. Because we saw against Surf and Safari, all he wanted to do is, like, kiss and hug and, and, and do things that people don't normally do. I do stuff that people don't do. In boxing, when have you ever seen two men face to face before they fight, and the other man kiss him on the lips? I mean, when have you seen that, Rafe? You don't see that too often. I mean, kick it to your raw, look like a hot couple. And, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just if if we want to see him drop those extra stone, he's not going to drop it for Franceschi Pianiti. He's not going to drop it for Arthur uh, Sphincter, like or anyone else that we can dig up the bones out of the ground. Uh, Alex Leopai, who else do you? Let's go through Shannon Briggs. Let's go champ. Yeah. Or Klitschko's greatest hits of the last decade. All these mandatories that were like, what, what is really happening right now? You're going to fight John Mark Mormack. Is he like a wash cruiserweight? What's going on? Who makes these rankings? You're right. The only way that stone's going to be dropped and we're going to see him take the right stuff and shave the, the belly hair and really care and come in and be the guy we need him to be if he was my man. Baby, I just don't get it. Oh, yeah. Do you enjoy being heard? Woo! No, you smell the perfume, the makeup on your shirt. If I was you don't believe this story. You know that they're all lies. Bad ones stick around, but I just don't know why. If I was your man, Biatch. Woo! Uh, all right. If you want him to be your man, Rafe, you're right. You got to go big. Go big or go home because that's what gypsies do, Rafe. I don't uh, I don't like to use that kind of language or no, 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 no. Damn great. No, 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 no. Let's have hey, some hey, uh, hey. classy dignity here. The, the, the G-man, the G-king. Uh, yes, that is what he should do. 
All right. All right. We just, we won right there. Hey, Floyd Mayweather's going to start 500 Mayweather boxing fitness gyms across the country and even has a promotional video out there. You care? You down with this? You looking to maybe take off a spare tire in the LA area? And uh, what do you got? What's going on? Here? I look, I'm always in the, in the market to lose 10 to 15 pounds, lose a stone or two. Uh, and if Floyd can help me, you know, I think I, I just hope that every single one of these gyms has a doghouse fighting class where they throw you in the doghouse and you got to fight wow. until raw dog? somebody gives up. Yeah, you'll get the you'll get the raw dog in a quick. Get a raw hey, dog. I didn't. Yeah. I, I had one more question on Fury. I'm I'm all over the place. Uh, Fury Wilder in December on Showtime pay per view. How many buys? Fury I uh, U S. Yeah, like it's gonna do. Mil, it's gonna do five, giant UK. Five hundred. Five hundred. That that well, it's not bad these days. These days. These days, that's good money. That might be too much, to tell you the truth. I don't, you know, it's curious. It'll be interesting to see when Wilder fights again and when he gets to a, a pay-per-view, what all of these extracurriculars, basically what bump he's getting from his reality TV show stuff. Cause he's involved in, in that, uh, wags of Atlanta, yeah. wives of athletes or whatever. You don't um, want to use the word bump around Tyson Fury though. I'm just, I'm being honest here. All right. No, no booga shuga. All right. That's two weeks in a row with that reference. All right. Hey, where are we going with the show? We're all over the place. Yeah. All right. I guess I guess that's it. I guess rather yeah. speechless. Rafe Bartholomew. Hey, last bit of news I have before we throw it to the great Shane Mosley. Not not the right. Not Shane. Not Paws Posley Jr. I'm talking about the great Shane Mosley. Did you see your guy Kermit Sintron officially told Boxing Scene he officially retires. He's going on vacation with the family at age 38 with a record of 39, six and three, 30 KOs. The native of PR Puerto Rico, who became a Philadelphia fighter in heart and spirit. The former welterweight title holder, Rafe, how will you best remember Kermit Cintron? There's so much to choose from. It's weird for this guy. I think for me, I mean, okay, number one, it just has to be getting going out of the going out of the ring in the stretcher after taking the dive through the, the ropes against Paul Williams, fourth round. That was a fight I was looking forward to. One of the most disappointing nights up there with Dawson Hopkins won, but that no one wanted that fight to begin with. So really, what Williams, Cintron, the stretcher, the whatever, him shaking his head, the thumbs up or whatever. It, oh, the thumbs. I give it the thumbs down, but I will remember. <laughs> that <laughs> him exposing angulo which i was waiting for someone yes. to do i thank him for that i even wanted him and and believed he would expose canelo at one point in time i will also remember that it goes down on my jojo dan list of terrible upset <laughs> calls you know we knew he was washed and still lingering in the philadelphia reading bethlehem pennsylvania area you know you see him show up on like a random card once in a while so i assumed he he really had a a dark ending to his career, which a lot of guys do that linger. But if you look at his run, his last fight was a no contest. The fight before that, he got knocked out by Tyrone Brunson. The fight before that was a draw, but he had a six fight win streak in between. It's against the Ronald Cruises of the world. The, the guys, you know, the other guys you never heard of, but it wasn't a complete train wreck. The end of his career, former welterweight title holder. I just think Rafe, and we're going to ask Shane Mosley about this in a minute. But I just think if we're going to believe Antonio Margarito's gloves were filled against against uh, Miguel Cotto and we're going to believe that he did it other times because he did it against Shane, I still feel like you go back and watch those knockouts against Cintron both times when Antonio went to Big Tone, sent him, sent him deep. It's hard not to watch those and not at least question, 
if the, well, of course that question is going to be there for throughout that, that question applies to the guy's entire career. But but they were violent, answer. and nobody else did that to him until later in his career when he moved up and went and fought Canelo. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, I, I got no I got no sympathy for the man because uh, he was part of a robbery against uh, Maravilla Sergio Martinez, and, and that, that I can't true. I can't stand that. That was a bad robbery too. All right, let's throw it now to the interview with the great. Shane Mosley, you know who he is. You're going to love this. I guarantee it. Enjoy. All right. I've got, How you doing? Doing great. i got my uh, co-host here, Rafe Bartholomew, as well. It's a, always a pleasure for us to talk with the great Sugar Shane. I mean, we're, come on. We've been, we've been big fans our whole life, so thanks for giving us some time. Hey, no problem, man. All right. Let's do it. Rafe, you can hear me, right? Yeah, I'm good. All right. We welcome in to the CBS Sports Podcast the great, the great Sugar Shane Mosley. And Shane, I want to start right off the top here because you're one day you're going to be in Canastota. You're that guy. You're a future Hall of Famer. But August 18th, this summer, Las Vegas, Caesars Palace, you'll be inducted into the 2018 class of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. This is a big-time class. This is you, Leila Ali, the likes of Henry Armstrong, Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguello, on and on. Congratulations. How fired up are you for this? Man, I'm fired up. This this is going to be uh, this is great. They're going to the Nevada Hall, uh, Hall of Fame with all the great fighters. They like the fighters you mentioned, Alexis Arguello, Aaron Pryor, and, you know, and Henry Armstrong, and all the guys that you mentioned. This could be great. I can't believe it. Yeah, the, the gala is open to the public. Tickets still available. They can be purchased www.nvbhof.com. Now, Shane, you were able to really keep a long, legendary career and be a active and viable fighter into your 40s. But now we're in retirement. How's it going? What you been up to? What's going on in the life of Sugar Shane at 46? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little, little depressed. I um. You know, I, I had a little bit of fortune. Okay, I can't fight anymore. So, and I had a few more years left in me. But you know, my arm, I got, I got a burn uh, from a surgery at the at the disc surgery center. And you know, I, I, I can't. I had to retire early. But you know, it's a little sad. But you know, I'm, I'm getting into a group of things. I'm sure you're still driving Good sports luck. cars, hot women on your arm. I mean, you're Sugar Shane. You got to live up the live up the image. I mean, this is the lifestyle. No, only have only have one one girl on my arm right now, and and uh, she that's my love of my life. So I'm I'm really happy about that. All right, we we would be remiss, Rafe and I, if we didn't ask you about another love of your life, and it became a love of our lives as boxing fans. Tito the Monkey, what's the update on this guy? Uh, he's doing good right now. He's right. He's right beside me as we speak, uh, cuddling with me. Uh, but he's doing really, really good, and he's been uh, playing and he's getting a little bit bigger, and and he's getting a little bit more uh, wiser too now. He's a little smarter. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. More. <laughs> wow. I, I'm I'm sorry if you've already had to explain some of this a bunch of times, Shane. But how? What was the pro? How? What's the story behind how you ended up with Tito and and were there anything, any surprises about becoming the owner of a monkey that you learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, they're very hard to take care of. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, yeah, they, 
you know, the diaper and him, you know, you have to change the diaper all the time and give him baths. He doesn't like baths. And, you know, and, and feeding him too as well. I mean, he's, he's okay with that. I mean, give him little monkey biscuits and he eats fruits and vegetables and, and some berries and nuts and stuff like that. So he's, he's not that hard. You hear him right now. Say something to Oh, yeah. Tito! He want to speak. <laughs> now, is he named after the, is he named after the legend <laughs> Felix Trinidad? Where's this name coming from, Shane? Yeah, yeah, Trinidad. I mean, I, I named him, because, you know, Tito was a, was junior. So, I named Tito for junior in Spanish. Like, Tito Trinidad. <laughs> love it, love it. Alright, Shane, you've, I got so many questions about your career. One of, one of my favorite guys to watch, but there's a parallel going on right now, and I'm sure you're watching the rise of unbeaten Mikey Garcia, the lightweight champ, the four division champ, and this daring to be great mentality of wanting to move up two weight classes, take on Errol Errol Spence Jr., who we think as journalists is, is the top of the pops right now at welterweight. Of course, the parallel is that you made that, that crazy, if you will, of a move in 2000 when you took on Oscar De La Hoya. You were the lightweight champion in a fight that, oh, man, it's still my second favorite fight of all time. Still a classic in L.A. What do you think about what Mikey's doing considering you pulled this off? I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a good idea, but, um, you know, everybody's trying to be undefeated nowadays, you know. So, you know, I think he's doing a great it's a good a good idea to do that, but I think that it's not going to be good for him because Earl Spence is a little bigger and stronger, and I think that he's going to be able to, um, you know, uh, it's going to be too hard for him to to make that jump if he wants to stand defeated. I think that's going to be a, a smart move for him. Right, and and Shane, what what, uh, what I would say, what right. are some of the differences, Shane, between, uh, you know, how you saw your situation when you made that jump to take on Oscar in 2000 and, and say what Mikey's getting into now? Well, I think the difference is I'm, a, I'm bigger. I was bigger than, uh, a bigger lightweight going up to welterweight, uh, than Mikey was. Mikey, I think, came from 126 or 122, 26, 35. And then now trying to go to forty seven, it's gonna be very, very hard and difficult for him to, to, to you know, to do. I mean everybody wants to be undefeated now, you know, in the Mayweather era or whatever, but I don't you know, they don't respect the fighters uh you know, like I did in my days. Oh, absolutely. Now interesting they here like fighting anybody, you know. Interesting, you took two fights to get used to that weight at 147 between, before taking on Oscar, which really, you know, one of the, one of the biggest fights of the last 20 something years. Mikey wants to do this head first. And when we saw him move up to 140 last year against Sergey Lipinets, fun fight, but some started to say, hey, Mikey, 40 might be your ceiling. Do you think it's smart for Garcia to try this without those couple fights? How important were those warm up fights to you before taking on Oscar? Well, I mean, I really wanted to go straight to Oscar. You know, I wanted to go straight and fight Oscar because, you know, when it was coming up, Oscar was actually lighter than me as a as an amateur. I mean, he fought 32, I fought 139 in the, in the amateur ranking. So um, with Mikey, it's a little different. I mean, he's fighting a guy that's 147, but really can fight at 160. You know, it's a different, it's a different thing. I mean, Oscar did fight at 160, but he's really not a big, you know, fighter like that. 
Now, I want to talk to you about that first Oscar fight because, I, I mean, Shane, I don't like like that fight. I love that fight. That's what I call the best example we've ever seen of high-speed chess. Like, yeah, it was a slugfest. It was a brawl. But it was really technically an incredible fight. It was it was thrilling theater. And I love what was going through your guys' heads entering that fight and what you're trying to prove. Let's not forget, Oscar got criticized the you know two fights before that against Felix Trinidad for running late and not standing and trading. So he came in there with that mindset that this is going to be a war. Were you expecting that same from him? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was expecting him to be able to uh, to come at me. I, I knew that he could not box me, um, especially at that time. I was a really superb boxer, but at the same time, I was a very uh, I was very hard punch, a very strong fighter in the inside as well. Um, it was just a great fight. We both had, we both were evenly matched, and uh, and uh, we gave the the fans what they wanted to see. It was a great fight. And Shane, I wanted to ask you. I, I was watching, rewatching a little bit of the, the of the early rounds of of that fight in 2000, and you know, you, I mean, you came out right away that first round, and we're landing your that that overhand right that you know, obviously you, you hurt and knocked out a ton of fighters with that over the years. Um, did is that something? Did do you think that got Oscar's attention right away? That you know, you're up at this division, but you you're not going to be fighting like the smaller man necessarily. Yeah, I think us we we both knew each other, you know, pretty pretty well coming up in the in the rankings um, as amateurs and living in the same area as well. So I think that I mean he 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 knew that I had good speed and good power, and you know I knew he had a great level as everybody can see. So uh, and good speed and power as well. So it, we knew it was going to be a great fight in California. It was like the Battle of California, you know. It's kind of like. You know, Mikey, Mikey fighting Spence is fearless and, and probably stupidity. You know, I, I knew I knew I could be Oscar. We, you know, we, we we was built similar weights and you know, all that stuff. So, can I ask? I you know, this is something that we had an interview with Andre Berto uh, earlier this week, and we've heard from some other fighters that maybe Mikey thinks he sees something in Errol Spence that he that that other people aren't necessarily noticing that he thinks and he sees he can exploit to win that fight. Do you, what what could he be seeing there that tells him, oh, I sh- I can go do this? I think that what he sees uh, is that. Earl Spence is probably not as experienced or maybe knowledgeable in the boxing game as he is, but he has to understand that he's a smaller man. He's way smaller than Earl Spence. And the thing, the little mistakes that Earl Spence might have uh, is not going to – he can do away with with his size, and, and he has speed and power as well. You know, uh, he's, and Earl Spence been there was a lot – was in the ring a lot of times with – uh, Floyd Mayweather and other fighters. So he he has experience as, as well. Now, Shane, the rematch with Oscar, very controversial junior middleweight. Years later, you still on the side that you won that fight? Because, man, that's a close one. I'm an Oscar guy. I always thought Oscar won that. Put me in my place, Shane. Did you win that rematch? We can be honest now. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I won the rematch. It was, it was closer than the first fight. But I believe, you know, watching it, I, I did win, you know, maybe slightly or whatever, and I I thought that they were going to probably give it to Oscar because they wanted a third fight, but, uh, you know, the the second fight, I won. 
All right. Now, could we have seen a rematch? Should we have seen a rematch? How close did we ever come to a third Oscar fight? We came very close, but um, you know there was some there was some talk about you know, the money, like who gets more. He was going to get more than me, and I beat him twice already. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, that that does make sense. You know, and then they said they offered me ten million, with they, which they really didn't because if they did. I would definitely take that. Um, so I mean, it was a lot of you know going back and forth, and they were just trying to get the the ups on the the whole thing. So it it didn't work out. All right, all right. Now you, I love the storyline of that rivalry because you guys knew each other from 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 your youth days in boxing from so long. You were business partners for a while in Golden Boy. Where are you guys at today? Are you friends, rivals, foes? Brothers, I'm not saying you're putting on the fishnets, but where are we at today, you and Oscar? <laughs> you know, I was I'm suing him for my percentage back in the in this in the in the company, but you know we're we're cool. We see each other, and we're we're very cordial and and cool. I, I don't think it's in. I think it was more so. You know, Richard Schaefer was the president at that time, and and he was making a lot of the decisions about what was going on in the um, in, in Golden Boy and. When I chose to fight Manny Pacquiao, they chose to take my um, percentage away. Yeah, all right, all right. Well, but they, we'll let... but they, but they, but they, but they couldn't do that though, you know. So we'll let the courts figure that one out, Shane. I want to talk to you though about yeah. this. This is the question that I wrote first. Out of all the questions, I want to ask Shane Mosley. There's this boxing superhero that was there one time, and his name was Lightweight Mosley. And whenever we do a segment on this show called What's It Look Like, where we do the mystical matchup, Shane, we're like, what about this guy in his prime against this guy in his prime? There's certain fighters that make the, the conversations difficult. One of those fighters is Shane Mosley at 135 pounds because I'm not sure I've ever seen a more destructive fighter ever. Please tell me right now, is Shane Mosley the greatest lightweight of all time? Because this guy was unbelievable. I. I believe so. I had that type of determination, that the mentality that nobody was going to beat me at lightweight. You know, I mean, all my title defenses were a knockout. I stopped everybody at at, at lightweight. So, um, at that time and that and that youth and my mentality, there's there's nobody that would have you know that would have got me there. And Shane, going back to that lightweight reign. Um, was there an opponent that you, you know, wished that you had been able to get in that time that, that for one reason or another, it didn't work out or, or was it, the, or were you, did you, you know, were, were, did you feel like it, you would have liked to stick around longer and get some more big fights at lightweight, but still just had to move up for the opportunities at, at welterweight when you eventually made that move? Well, when I moved up to light, when I, I could no longer make lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was growing out of the, uh, out of that division. I was pretty big uh, to begin with. If you notice that I left my amateur career at 139, 140. Right. So at 1992, I was You're going down. As actually 1991, 92, I was 139, 140, 140-ish, and then I went down to 135 to win the world title. But you know, I was always in that range of 135 to 140. I was naturally a smaller, um, you know, guy. Now, Shane, you, the victory that was the sweetest. I'm, I'm speaking for you. I'm going to put words in your mouth. I got to guess. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong here. That the victory that was the sweetest was 2009, 37 years old, when you take the soul of Antonio Margarito. And I say that because there's times as boxing fans, as journalists, we get to know the personal life of the fighter, and a victory happens. 
and it feels like we're experiencing them with that with them. And when I watched you stop Margarito with all the turmoil that was going on in your life with the divorce, all the stuff outside the ring, that I mean, I was nearly had tears in my eyes. It was an emotional moment. Mm-hmm. How important is that win to you when you look back at everything you accomplished? I mean, it was a it was a real, um, like you said, emotional win because. You know, like I said, I was going to divorce, change trainers. I mean, everything was kind of going, you know, kind of kind of bad in my life. And then, you know, Margarita coming up with the um, the plastic pair of hand wraps. Well, his coach put it on him. Um, you know, I, I told my son, because he was coming up and he was being a fighter as well, uh, professional or amateur at the time, I said, I told him to look in my eyes and look the way I look. Look, look up what's going to happen. This is how you supposed to look when you fight a real fight. This is how a real fighter looks when he goes into the ring and fights and fight against another opponent to win. This is what's gonna happen. I just turned I turned away from him, walked right to the ring, and did what I did to to this guy. Actually, actually showing him. Damn. That's you know, I was, and, and you know, I was definitely I was the underdog in everybody's eyes. Uh, it told me, you know, they, everybody thought that I would lose. Even my ex-wife at the time told me yeah you're gonna lose and you can keep the little money because you're about to get beat oh you come know, on jen oh, okay. you're killing me jen you're killing yeah. me right now yeah she told me yeah you can have the the rest of the money because you're gonna need that because after you lose you're gonna go into retirement after this fight because it's gonna put you into retirement they ain't loyal shane they no. ain't loyal you know no they ain't loyal <laughs> oh, oh man oh um, i you wanted know, my, to ask my, my, whole, my my whole career, I've been, you know, the underdog, really. So you know, I love to prove people wrong. You know, I always been that I was underdog with the, I was underdog with Oscar. I was under. Everybody puts me as underdog, but you know, I have the X factor. I knock, I knock people out. I, I stop them. They can't go this with me. That's right. <laughs> Take that into your own hands. Um, I wanted to ask yeah. about that Margarito fight, you know, right, you know, before the fight, when, you know, Nazim Richardson comes back to your, to, to, to your, you know, locker room, your training room and said, and did he tell you about the, the hand wraps that, that they were trying to put plaster of Paris in there or some material like that? And how did you respond to that? Did you, did, did you think, oh, I'm going to have it. This guy's going to be my, uh, Margarito's going to be, freaked out now and I'm going to be able to eat him up or or what was your reaction when they came back and said this guy was trying to cheat on you well I mean the first reaction was because my, my coach at the time was he was very very upset he came back to me and said look look what what there's some stuff in here uh dust coming out of the hand wrap so he made him rewrap it and then you know the friend of doctor when the doctor uh confirmed that it was Pastor Pera and he, he, I was so upset but I knew already before we even went to the ring, before we fought, I already knew I was in such great shape. There was no way that I was going to stop. I don't care if he had plaster pair on his hands. I don't care what he had. It didn't matter to me because he was going He was going to sleep. There was too much stuff. People saying I was going to lose. You know, they was calling me out. You know, I was like, you know what? It's not going to It's not gonna happen. I'm going to win this fight. And if you, if you notice, if you watch the fight, he rarely hit me with any shot. That's true. He didn't hit me. He didn't hit me. But when he fought Cole the first time and the second time, Cole's face was messed up both times. Yeah. He was hitting Cole all the time. But he never hit me. Do you think Margarito was because dirty was, in all the big wins, Shane? Say it again? Do you think Margarito was dirty 
in all of those fights, in the in the Cotto knockout, in the Cintron knockouts, like how far back can we go? It's tough to know. You know, you caught him before your fight. He was trying to be dirty against you. Do you think this was something he did multiple times? You know, I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, it could, it could be that way. I mean, those guys, like I said, those guys, he was actually landing shots on. With me, he didn't land any shots, so you know that he probably did that. That that's what got him to that 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 um that stage of wherever it was uh, of, of the um the championship. So, um, I don't know. I I can't say. It, it seems it seems that way. It seems that. You know, when he fought Centron, Centron was scared of his power. Um, Cotto was a little intimidated toward the end. So maybe he did have those in his hand. You, I don't know how far you can go back. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Shane, you're famous for coming the closest. Maybe outside of Jose Luis Castillo, you've come the closest to ending Floyd's unbeaten 50-0 run. Of course, that 2010 fight. You never got to fight him in your prime, though, and people need to remember you were still a great fighter at 38, but you fought him off of a 16-month layoff. You nearly knocked Floyd out. I want to talk about why you didn't fight fight Floyd in your prime because some people say Floyd purposely avoided you, waited you out till you were 38. Others say no. Shane didn't want that. He wanted to focus on an eye injury. All these years later, what's the true story? The true story is I asked him in Grand Rapids, Michigan, when he was fighting uh, one third of I was fighting somebody, and I was the 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 commentator or the whatever at I think it was a one thirty, but I was it was I'm not sure when, but he was calling me out, and I asked him purposely. I said, "Well, do, before I moved to one thirty five, do you want to fight me? Or are we going to fight each other? Are you going to move to thirty five to fight me?" He said, "No, I want to be called the Zones Record." That's the real answer. The real answer is he didn't want to fight me when I was on 135. And that's probably would have been a better, I bet the best I would knock him out then. But he knew that it wasn't the right time. And people knew it wasn't the right time, so they waited. But it's okay, though. I mean, I almost, I almost had him that time. Even when I fought him that time, I was injured. But it's okay, though. Um, he, he is who he is. He did a great job in the boxing world. You know, um, in his era, he was the best. So I can't tip my hat to him. All right. When you did fight him, though, there was big 24-7. It was a big deal. He gave this famous quote. He got a jerry curl, man. Come on, man. It's 2010. The kid must woke up in that hot tub time machine. But I want you to jump in that hot tub time machine and answer this for me, Shane Mosley. If we could do prime on prime. Mm. If we could take Shane Mosley from the night you beat Oscar in 2000 and put him up against prime welterweight Floyd. Pick a year, right? 2007, uh, it, 2013. There's no question I would I would have I would have stomped him I would have beat him because I was too strong, too fast, and there's no way they can do his defense with me. I almost knocked him out, and I was like, that was 40 years old. So I mean, wait, and I, and I was injured, so I was hurt, growing pool. So it's like he would have had nothing for me. I mean, I don't think honestly, I don't think that anybody around my era like when he because he fought Oscar too, and Oscar. You know, some people thought that was kind of close with that fight. Um, and Oscar almost beat him then. So, and, and was older. So, anybody around Vernon Forrest, Winky Wright, any of those guys, you know, even Fernando Vargas, you know, like any of those guys that I fought, I don't know if Floyd could have, could have, could have won. Love it. And that's, and that's not prime. So. 
This guy's got the fire, Rafe. This guy, Shane Mosley, has got the fire still in him. Oh, man, Shane, I could ask you a thousand questions about your career. We love the time you've given us, but I do want to ask you about Shane Mosley Jr., the aspiring fighter. We've seen him around. Is he going to be on the contender season coming up? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, he's going to be the contender. He's going to be the contender um, pretty soon. And, and you know, we'll see what happens. That's, that's all I can say about it. But, he, but uh, it's a... It's a good show. I like the show, and um, there's some great fights on there, and you guys uh, just watch. Did you get to? Were, were you part of the show at all? Did you? Did they bring you in to for for some? I, I, whether it was father son scenes or? Yeah, I mean there, there was there was some there was some times that I came in there and um, you know watched the show and, and cheered on the in the audience at that, but. Um, as far as that goes, that's the best I can say until you guys watch. I think it comes out August uh, 20, yeah, it comes out August 24th. All right. Uh, yeah, we don't need another lawsuit here, Rafe. Don't 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 be pushing for too many answers here. All right, the fans can also see Shane Mosley, of course, August 18th, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame 2018 class. Like we mentioned, Layla Ali, Ernie Shavers, Kevin Kelly, Henry Armstrong, Pryor, Arguello, Shane Mosley. It's open to the public nvbhof.com for ticket information. Shane, thank you, sir, for the time, well, for the insight. What, what, what? No, go ahead, you. No, I was gonna, no, no. I, I, I know you guys have finished up the show, but I wanted to mention because I was getting ready to fight again, and it was funny because they offered me to fight Margarito again for like a million bucks. No way! Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I might not be. Able to, <laughs> I, I can't take it, but. It was offered to me. I was, and that, that was, that was some funny because my, you know, my arm, I hurt, I hurt my arm or actually I didn't hurt my arm. The doctor at the, um, messed up burned my arm. Wow. Wow. So I couldn't, I couldn't fight the fight. But I would have loved, to, I would have loved to get in there with them again. All right. I, I'd be down for that. I, it's in me. I, when you fought Mayorga the what second time, I was down for that. Come on. W- will we see you again? Do you have the itch? Will we see you one more time if the arm gets healed? No, I, I, I can't. I can't. My, my arm, I burnt my arm. My arm got burnt, uh, due surgery at the disc surgery center. Ooh. And, and Miranda, right? So I can't. Ouch. I can't box anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm really retired now. But it's good. I can sit there and watch my son do his thing. Absolutely. And you gave but, us. You know, it would be great. I, I would, I would have loved to beat his ass one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Take that! You may have taken the other eye from him. I mean, eye for an eye, oh but oh wow! You gave us yeah, sixty. Eye for an eye. Absolutely, the pride of Pomona. You gave us sixty great fights in your career, Shane. We're going to see you in Canastota one day. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Best of luck out there. Get that arm burn healed up. You know, Shane Jr. Uh, in the corner. We'll, we'll we'll see more from you. Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you. All right. Rafe, I've said it before. I'll say it once more. That might be my favorite interview I've ever done. I Ryan. love when old guy fighters just tell you stories. Is there anything better than that? <laughs> no, I, not too many things. You 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 know you just hit play, you hit record, and and hope for the best, and just see where it goes. I I didn't know we were going to get quite so much into Tito. Uh, I was very excited to to learn about the possibility of uh, Margarito Mosley two old hashtag old guy fight. That is that, that's like he's speaking straight into our hearts. He's sticking his his he's 
yeah, he's putting his hand right into Clitoris and, 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 and strapping it up. I mean, I love the Mayorga slop fest that rematched so much, that independent pay-per-view that probably sold about a thousand and a half buys. But him and Tony Margs a second time, oh, my God, that would have really stretched, you know, how much I'm willing to accept. And I would have accepted it full bore, right, full <laughs> on. I would have taken it on. Oh, man, that would have been something. But, hey, shout out to Shane. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being so open. We talked lawsuits. We talked about unloyal H's. I mean, he's touched a few H's and they were, they weren't loyal, you know, and, and he's also touched a few M's through the years and he's been in some great fights. Just outside of the nonsense, any of those actual fight talks, any of those Mayweather things, anything stick out to you? Oh man, to say that for sure, you know, yeah, coming that, that 2000 Shane Mosley is just, too much for, for Floyd Mayweather. Yes. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a shoot. I, I don't, I, I think that I see what he's saying. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. It's tough to say, uh, but well, from his point of view, old version of him nearly stopped Floyd and oldish Oscar nearly took a decision from him. So both of those guys, when you ask them, they say prime me, prime welterweight me. I'm taking Floyd down and. It's you, they got an argument. They got an argument. They, right? they do have an argument, and Floyd made sure not to face any fighter who rese- even remotely resembled 2000 welterweight Shane Mosley. Some people have said, "I'm not saying this." Some trainers have said, "Have you noticed Floyd never went out of his way to fight a prime African American at welterweight?" Outside of, I guess Zab. Zab, I guess was pseudo prime, right? Pseudo prime, although he'd been severely tarnished thanks to several losses, you know, and, and most of all, Carlos Baldemir. Oh uh, no, no, that's not. No, no, no. Baldemir's banned. No, banned. Don't, no talk. You can't do that. You, you're not. You can't do that. Oh man. Um. Wow. I mean, anybody in Las Vegas, check out Shane at the Nevada Hall of Fame. Of course, I love this comments on Mikey Garcia. He made good points. Shane was bigger. When Shane moved yeah. up to light, to welterweight, we, we had some doubts, but then he showed you. He's got the punching power, he's got the speed, he's got the size. Man, I love welter, I mean, I love lightweight Shane Mosley. We talked about that, he's like a superhero to me, but welterweight, prime Shane Mosley. Flawed guy, didn't have a jab, right? Wasn't a pure boxer. In, in, in late in his career, he had to become a slugger because of that, but man, he could get himself out of trouble with that big right hand, and, and he was quick and in your face and super fun, and he had balls, Rafe, and he had heart. He had a backbone. I mean, this guy, there's, and I love that when he would get, we didn't talk about it, but when he would lose twice to Winky or Forrest, he could reload. He could come back and be that guy again. Look, there's a reason he's going into this Hall of Fame, and there's a reason he will go into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He's he's had a truly great career, was a truly great fighter. And there's guys with older balls than us, like Raskin, who come on here and answer this truly. But I think when he beat Oscar that day, he had a case to be the pound-for-pound best in the world. That was still the Roy Jones era. That was still the point where people were already giving, like Max Kellerman was already saying Floyd was number one. But when he beat De La Hoya that day, he did have a case. To be the pound yeah. for pound case. A win like that gives you that case for sure. And Hall of Fame's great, Rafe, but there's a separate category of a smaller lineage of guys who have been the best in the sport for a, a day, a period, a month, a year, right? That, that's, what is that list of the last 20 years, right? It's basically Chocolatito, Vasily, Floyd, Manny, Ward, Ward, Maybe Golovkin for a day, depending on how you voted. No. I'm I, even even a big homer like me. I don't think he ever really. You know, got there. and that and that goes all the way back to Roy. I mean, Floyd's original run might connect with the end of Roy's run for some people. Yeah. So now you're going back to the late '90s, where I think Hopkins had a day, Oscar had a day, but for the most part, it was Roy Jones, right? I mean, 
it's 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 a great debate. I love it. Rafe, let's move forward. And to move forward, we got to talk about this weekend. And you know I love to start off with you by reading you the really bad televised fights and asking you if you care. All right, Rafe, let's start on Friday night from Sydney, Australia. I'm sorry, Friday morning from Sydney, Australia. Shout out to the Down Under crew. We are going to see on ESPN Plus because they had just purchased this. Billy Dibb versus Tevin Farmer for a vacant IBF junior lightweight title. This will be televised. Rafe, your thoughts. Do you care? Absolutely not. Wow. I don't care. That's funny. We asked. So I, I, I got the direct line of Joe Horn. I asked her whether people in Australia actually care about this. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, but... yeah, but keep dreaming. All right. Um, Hey, shout out to Billy Dibby. did lose his wife. And, uh, you know, to, I think it was to cancer, and that was a terrible story, and I cheer for him to come back. But, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, I remember, didn't he get ended by Evgeny Gradovich one times. time? I think come a few on, different man, come times. Come on, man, come on. Come on, give me a, come Remember on. he was a 50-cent fighter for Yeah, I do, I do remember him, 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 and Gamboa. Yes. <laughs> Friday night in Mexico City and Telemundo, Antonio Tostado versus Uriel Lopez, junior featherweights, 10 rounds. Uh, no, no. All right. Uh, Friday night in Las Vegas. Bounce TV, Rafe. You can get this on the Brown Sugar app, I want to remind you. Ladarius Miller versus Dennis Galarza. Ten rounds lightweights. That's a PBC special right there. Let's get Fran Charles on the broadcast right there, right? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I look forward to Ray Flores' call. Yes. Saturday. Let's get into the fights that kind of matter. That maybe do matter a little bit. Hey, good card here. Good, good ass doubleheader, HBO. I like this one from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Sergey Kovalev defending his WBO light heavyweight title against Elider the Storm Alvarez, a guy who can punch from Canada, who really hasn't been debuffed yet, who really hasn't been picked apart and found to be a fraud. A guy who Adonis Stevenson was the mandatory for for two years, and somehow we didn't see that fight. This could be fireworks. I'm, uh, it's You can't favor Alvarez, but you do respect his danger what do you want to see in this fight? What do you expect to see? Do you care about Kovalev's uh, crusher versus the storm? Well, of course I care. I care. I think this is a good card. It is two really top light heavyweights and really close. I mean, Bivol and, and Kovalev are not just skill-wise much watch fighters, but in terms of you know, their their power, they're fun to watch. They're fighters that you, you should watch. They're, if you like boxing, there's no reason to skip these guys. Uh, you know, Alvarez has earned this obviously he's been man he's been Adonis Stevenson's mandatory for 17 years um so he he deserves a title shot but I've never seen anything in any of his fights that makes me think he's a particularly special fighter I think he will be good enough to may, maybe maybe go even go the distance with Kovalev although that's not what I think will happen but I think he will be good enough to make Kovalev look bad miss a couple times but I think Kovalev just has too much firepower and will eventually get to him I don't I don't think that knocking out washed did he knock out washed Lucian Butte? Yes. So here's his I don't three big wins. That doesn't he, mean that doesn't mean Jack to me in this fight. He has four wins that we would care about. He he knocked out the husk of Edison Miranda in twenty thirteen. He took a majority decision from Isaac Chalemba, which you know you have to. To beat Isaac Chalemba you gotta. In twenty fifteen took the soul of of Lucian Butte in his white dress pants in twenty seventeen and then the next fight, majority decision win over Jean Pascal. Was that fight uh, uh, disputed, or or did I just not care about it? I I can't. I, it's I that I can't remember either, man. Uh, we're That's not big the boxing There's fans nothing memorable yeah. about this guy except his nasty ass haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I, that weird, oh yeah, that weird like 
crazy greased up mohawk. It looks like um any yo he Alvarez is a is a good fighter, but he is the definition of a contender. And he I and, and Kovalev will have to crap the bed mega to wow. uh to blow this fight. Well, Alvarez is unbeaten. He kind of has. He's not Cuban B like Sullivan Barrera. He's from Colombia, but he's kind of got that like. Barrera always underwhelms you when he steps up to a big level. You think he's something against like a Joe Smith, and then he moves up, and you're like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. Yeah, I think Barrera's probably better than this guy. I don't know. I, I, will Kovalev stop him? That's the real question right here. He, uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, Nobody has so. beaten Elider the Storm Alvarez. You say Kovalev will. Yes, and stop him. All right. All right. Hey, in the co-main, you mentioned it before. Dimitri Bival versus said Eli- Isaac Chilemba of... Malawi, Africa? Is that how you say that country? Malawi? I, I don't I, Malawi is how I would guess, Malawi. but Malawi You're very cultured. might be out there. I, I don't get out of Connecticut much. You you spend time in the Philippines. I mean, this is great. Hey, 12 rounds for Bivol's WBA light heavyweight title. If the idea is that we're building potentially toward Kovalev, Bivol, get me the heck on board. What does this fight look like? Because anytime Chalemba gets in there, I love the guy, but... He kind of knows how to stink it up a little bit. <laughs> Chalemba's probably going to stink it up a little. I think he is. He's got more more miles on him than when he fought Kovalev. He did get stopped in a sort of strange stoppage by uh, Alexander Vodzik, right? Yes. Um, so he has now been stopped. He still, I think, he will still be tough and awkward and make it and and make Bivol maybe even lose stock in some people's minds just because Chalemba's a pain in the butt. Um, but I, I think. Bivol could also eventually get to him and stop him late. I think that Chilemba is at that stage in his career where he he knows his place in the sport and he's going to come in and give a good hard fight. And if it's if it starts to heat up and he gets hurt a little, he, he may uh, he, he may also just be willing to you know take that check and get out of there with a decent wow, effort. You're going to put it. that on him? I don't think so. He comes from. He has the hunger, Rafe. He comes from a he, really poor country, and the, and the he guy, does have one of those the one of those crazy, insane boxing stories of how he learned at one point in his life that he had tapeworm eggs yes. in his brain, uh, and if they hatched, he was going to die. Oh my god! And uh, managed to get through that. Lives in South Africa now. Comes from one of the poorest nations. Nicknamed the Golden Boy. So uh, hit me up on the D, right on the low, if if you get a Fish chance there. He's only thirty one. Uh, did have that three fight losing. Skid. He's only thirty one. Yeah, somehow he had get a... out of here. No effing way, he Brian. Used to get now, now that a lot. is a guy who I will give the Ortiz treatment to. He's got to be fifty two. Get out of here. Look at him. He's got. He's been old man face since he fought Tony Bellew ten years ago. Whatever it was. How dare you? He's he used to get screwed on the cards a lot. He had a disappointing draw with Thomas Oosthuizen with Tony Ballou, right? Then he lost the rematch and he still thought he won that. But that three-fight skid, majority decision lost to Storm Alvarez. The UD lost to Kovalev in which he got knocked down but did kind of expose Kovalev as a hard partier in that portion of his career. And then the Vodzik did bounce back to take a decision from Blake Caparillo. So here we are. He never fought, though. Who's that other dude? Uh, Agnew. He never fought Agnew, so we never got to see Agnew's parents dress up in their Sunday best. So uh, B-Ball's going to win. Is he going to stop him? I think he will, although I, I think I think he will get a stoppage late. All right. That's fine. Uh, do you care on the undercard? Frank Galarza is making a comeback at junior middleweight against Alex Durate. You don't care, right? I like Frank Galarza. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Do you know that guy? Remember he I know his name. <laughs> he was supposed who, – who took his soul early? Remember he – or was it Ishe Smith who upset him? Do you know what I'm talking about? It sounds about right. Oh, Jarrett Hurd upset him on the way up, and so did Ishe. Back-to-back fights. Hurd knocked him out. 
All right. Hey, Frank, good, good luck to you, buddy, from Brooklyn. Um, nobody knows Ishe's box rec better than you, Brian. Nobody, nobody does. Hey, also on that undercard, but not televised, Rafe, I want to know if you care about this. Do you remember that main events fighter by the name of Carl Dargan? Hell yeah. He was formerly an unbeaten lightweight. He was a big-time prospect with a big amateur career. They were trying to make him as their next big thing. But you know what happened? I was ringside. The Fox Theater. I remember he got, Connecticut. He took a bad, bad beating. And January 2015. January 2015, he took a bad beating. Remember that guy, Tony Luis, that Canadian brawler, Tony Luis, Tony Luis? Right. That guy beat him for 12 rounds so bad. Dargan went the distance. That was the first fight where I got blood on me. And you know, it's like a rite of passage. Until you get blood on you the first time as a journalist, there's this like, celebrated feeling like, oh man, I never got blood on me. One of these days I'm going to get blood on me. And then what happens is somebody pours some sugar on you in the name of love, but it's the red sugar. It's the dark red sugar. And then you get Carl Dargan's blood on your hands, on your suit, and on your keyboard, and on your screen of your laptop, and then you realize how awful and disgusting it is to get So you weren't licking it up old BJ Penn style? Because most fights, Rafe, you know when we sit in the front press row, some fights that means you're like the equivalent of the third row in the crowd. Some fights that means you're like 30 feet back. At that theater, you're up against the damn ring. I'm sitting next to Judge Julie Letterman, so I got bloodied. Carl Dargan lost, and Rafe, he never fought again. And the reason is, have you ever heard of Lil Mo from Love and Hip Hop New York? Yeah. You know, Is she a rapper? I, she was on some fabulous songs way back in the day. All right, well, he married her, she had the MTV show, and there was the idea that he didn't need to fight anymore, so he wouldn't. Every time I saw main events, Jolene was on, I'd be like, when's Dargan coming back? They're like, we don't know if he is. Rafe, I didn't know this till I checked the Dan Rayfield boxing schedule on ESPN.com. He's coming back in a sixth-round lightweight bout against Jonathan Perez, but do you know where my research on Carl Dargan on where he's been the last couple of years took me to? Where did this take you? To take you to Mike Jones? Because that's who I'm thinking of. Have you ever heard of a TV show? I hadn't. Maybe you have. Couples Court with the Cutlers. It's like a people's court, but it's about cheating. Have you oh, ever heard man. of this? I have. No, I don't think I know this one. Okay, well, he got sent to there by his wife, Lil Mo, who accused oh him of God. cheating. And they did a lie detector test, and they brought out an FBI guy to read the results. You got to hear. Just stick with me on this audio. All right. You asked Mr. Dargan, since getting married... Have you had sexual intercourse with any woman other than your wife that she doesn't know about? You also asked him, have you had sexual intercourse with any woman other than your wife since your wedding day that she's unaware of? What was his response to those questions? His response to those questions was no. What did the polygraph examination determine? Unfortunately, the lie detector determined he was being... Deceptive. Oh! Oh no. You are the father! Mr. Dargan, are there women that you've had sexual intercourse with since you've been married? Oh man. That your wife does not know about? Say it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mr. No, Mr. Mr. Dargan. I, I, I thought it was more to the question, I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's Let it. Me, Hold on. Mr. Shaw, the polygraph came back deceptive. What else can you add to this? Uh, if I can also add something that uh this oh, gentleman no. said to me oh, after no. the polygraph test please I, do he uh mentioned to me that uh there were was a time when he told his wife no. that uh, he may have had sex with somebody mm -hmm. but he told me there were other instances 
where she didn't ask, so he didn't tell her. Oh, Ray. Uh, Thank God I ain't have to take no test, bro. It is what it is. It says that. It says that. Like I said, I told y'all what I said, and that's and that's what it is. He says it is what it is, Rafe. Man, talk about taking L's on TV. I don't know about if you know the show. This, the Cutlers are a couple. They're two judges. They sit together and they provide the commentary the whole time. But that FBI director just sent him to hell, Rafe. Yeah, this is this yeah, this is worse than Austin Trout's appearance on Say Yes oh, to the Dress, I or mean, in is, the hot tub is, in that bath staff. Hey, with bubbles, the bath right? staff. Yeah. Oh man, one more quick. They 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 cornered Dark and Lilmo was very upset. Like I said, I used to be out here. I used to be out here dealing with multiple women at times, you know, five, six women at one time. Whoa, whoa. I'm, you, I'm, I'm basically, I was a fat. I had no intentions on getting married. I had no intentions on ever being with one woman. But we was married. But I was so. trying to work on it, and I told her, listen, I was out here. I was used to this. I mean, it's not a, it's not an overnight process i'll but i'll listen uh, i'll sad. try I can't the do best this. i can but i can't do this i slipped up and got caught up okay so he slipped up and got caught up it, it happens rafe we all walk i think i think he should have had an advocate in his corner like paulie malinaji to put to just lay some truth on these people I mean, that's you know, what, what year is it understand. what year is it brian you gotta understand that like come on it's actively sleeping with a lot of women it's 2013 that's what we do imagine paulie was his representative in that court I got more girls than Asian bonus got hairs on his head. I mean, that would have been fantastic. Rafe, I hate to see this because... Oh, she was just a side piece. She wasn't as good. She's a side piece. Oh. I'd be poly. Rafe, I was there when he got a soul taken by Tony Luis. And I. And by the way, the day, two days before that, remember ESPN's making the rounds? I used to do that show. I had him in studio. I interviewed him. It was like, this guy could be the next big thing. He had Nazim as his trainer. Like, uh, he just got... Uh, he had his soul taken in court with the Cutlers. Uh, Rafe, do you have a prediction? Is he going to like Shane Mosley after the divorce when the divorce was happening against Antonio Margarito? And I didn't do the research enough to know if he's divorcing Lil Mo. But does this mean he's set up to knock this fool out? Absolutely. And also another thing, we know that Jolene Mazzone, matchmaker of main events, is one of the very best in the business, and she is not putting Carl Dargan in a six rounder that he can possibly be beat in this weekend. So let's let's we know that he's got all the reasons to to make this right. And one one Atlantic City related question I have for you, Brian. We're in Jersey. We haven't had a lot of big fights in Jersey. You know who's from Jersey. You know who might be the third man in the ring for one of these main events. Oh, Steve Smoger. Could we see Smoker? Could we get? Could this be one of our last great nights with Smoker? Oh wow, with the purple surgical gloves and the kisses and all that. Oh, he'd lay a he'd lay a couple of smooches on Kovalev. Would you make out with him if no one had to know about it? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. If I was in a fight, all right, all right, all right. I like that distinction. You drew you drew the line. You stood up for yourself there. All right, Rave. Let's get to a card that I care about a lot on Saturday. I don't know if you do, but it's from Uniondale, Long Island, New York. The Nassau Coliseum, the refurbished one. Fox, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The big Fox, Rafe. Not the little one. Not that other one. The big damn Fox, PBC. Welter Wideo. Devin Alexander against Andre Berto. And before I get your answer, we're going to hear from A.B. No, no, not that A.B. The original. The original Andre Berto. Let's hear it. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on? Hey, great to talk to you, man. Brian Campbell, CBS Sports. Always a pleasure because you know, Andre Berto, whether inside the ring or outside, you're one of the realest. You know that already. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. 
All right. Well, I'm, I'm fired up, Andre, because this is a really good fight against Devin Alexander. Saturday, Nassau Coliseum, Long Island, New York, 7.30 sure. p.m. Eastern on Fox. But you know the big question the fans have coming in. Is the harvest coming on Saturday in Uniondale, New York? Uh, the harvest is definitely coming, man. We've been sowing our seeds, baby, so. Harvest is definitely coming Saturday. That's what I'm talking about. The cl- How's the clothing line doing? Man, everything is great, man. We've been getting mega support from shit from people all over the world, um, you know, and everybody's rocking all the, you know, all the apparel, a lot of you know, celebrity friends, a lot of just friends in general. They just love the line. They love they love the concept behind it, and, 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 you know, the harvest is always coming, baby. All right. I love it. I love it. You've got a common yeah. opponent, of course, with Alexander. You're both former champions. Both fought Victor Ortiz recently. You knocked him out in your yeah. rematch. Devin fought to an entertaining draw in February, so I'm sure you watched that yeah. fight. What did you learn about yeah. who Alexander today at age 31 is from that fight against Ortiz? Um, You know, after, I mean, I, I really felt he could have done uh, – you know, a lot more to, 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 you know, discourage Ortiz or to, or to even, um, um, you know, to even stop him, you know, somewhat to a point where I felt like he just kept letting him get off the hook and, 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 and he kept just letting Ortiz get back in the fight. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of things that I didn't like, but, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still a, you know, very game opponent, you know, two time world champion, um, you know, with great skills and, and, and I can't take that away from him. So I gotta, you know, if I had to prepare like I'm getting ready for the best Devin Alexander. No, absolutely. And he's had a, 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 I guess a rough stretch to his career. Uh, you know, yeah. you've had some ups and downs as well. How, how hard is that to, to sort of, you know, to be on top, be a champion, suffer a couple losses yeah. in a row and be forced to regroup? Yeah, go ahead. What you said, how, how, mean, how hard is that to regroup, which is essentially what he's trying to do right now, having lost a couple yeah. in a row? I mean, it's a tough situation, but just like you said, I mean, you know, you have to be, you know, real individual, man. You have to, you have to tap into something that's, that's a little bit, you know, I mean, greater than yourself, you know, when it comes to situations like that, because just a life period, man, you know, life is going to throw you a lot of curveballs. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a test to it that, you know, I've, I've been on, on the top, top, I I fell down, I climbed back up, fell down, climbed back. But that's been my life. That's been my life, and you have to be able to, um, you know, not be discouraged by it and, and 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 to accept it. You know, you have to accept it and continue to just continue to push forward because, you know, if you're discouraged or not, you know, life isn't going to stop. You know what I mean? So it's either you're gonna you're gonna get back on that treadmill and continue until you're going, or you're just gonna sit back and just feel sorry for yourself. So, you know, me, myself, me, my family, the, the way we're built, man, we don't know how to, you know, we don't know if feeling sorry for ourselves. I mean, we get ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and we keep trucking. I love it. I, I love that attitude. Now, you're coming off a loss to Sean Porter at the Barclays Center yeah. in Brooklyn. It was a very exciting fight, but, you know, I mean, I've, I talked to actually Sean Porter today and asked him straight up, you know, Sean, it's, you got a controversial style. Do you think it's dirty? A lot of people <laughs> think it's dirty. Andre Berto, you felt yeah. that style. Is that a dirty style? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't, I, mean, I just don't get it. You know, what I, mean? I just don't get it. Um, um, I believe, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, you know, he hasn't fought, you know, as long as I haven't fought, you know, he was supposed to fight Keith coming after that fight. And, you know, a lot of a few other fighters were on the horizon for him, but nobody didn't want to fight him. It doesn't mean that he's just such a great boxer. It's, it's, it's a, it's a type of fight that you know you're going to go in and 
win, lose, or draw, you're going to come out with a lot of lumps, bruises, and 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 a lot of you know, different things. And it seems like, you know, in our fight, it just seems so intentional. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I guess just the way he fights, that's the way he trains, and 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 I guess you can just tell because it's you know nothing. Yeah, you know, it didn't phase him to a point. It didn't phase him to 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 try something different or to stop with the head or stop with the elbow. But it you know, he had cuts on both his eyes as well. It just seems like that was just normal. And I just was like, What is this? Are we boxing or what are we doing? Like, you know, referee, like I mean, I mean, what are we doing? And 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 just me, uh, um um you know, being the type of guy I am, you know, I automatically want to go back at him on some you know, on some foul type shit, but, you know, Verge tried to keep me focused and, 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 you know, that's just what it was, man. Like, even the shot that, you know, I mean, that hurt me, you know, wasn't, it wasn't a punch, it was a headbutt, and I just got shaken up bad and just fell back to the ropes. And, you know, he, he threw a combination, they stopped it, but it wasn't, you know, none of his punches hurt me throughout the fight at all. It was just, like I said, a lot of those headbutts just, just, just took me out of my game. You know, considering the mixed martial arts background with you and your family, the, the training you've done, yeah. the professional fighting your family has done, I was waiting for a double yeah. leg takedown, something to, to man, counteract I, that. Man, I wanted to, boy, I wanted to. Verge kept trying to keep me, he kept trying to keep me under control, <laughs> keep me under control the whole time. Some elbows, knees, something will come. All right. Well, you've you've always been a bad dude in the ring. Your dad's a bad dude as well. It's 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 known yeah. by some fans that he fought at UFC ten. He was like a original pioneer. Yeah. Did you attend that card yeah. on July twelfth, nineteen ninety six, in Birmingham, Alabama? Was a young Birdo there besides his, <laughs> by his dad's side? I was there. I was. There. I checked it out, man. Um, you know, we've been in that game for a long time. You know, my pops. You know, growing up, you know, my dad was in Japan a lot. You know, before it came here to the U.S. Um, you know, I mean, they were doing it a lot at the Pan Crace, you know, association, um, um, in Japan, you know, him, Ken Shamrock, uh, uh, Maurice Smith, like all these guys were great friends of ours growing up. And, um, and then when, of course, UFC came over to the States, it was just raw, it was really raw. <laughs> and I remember him getting ready for it and fighting in the man. So, uh, you know, so we've definitely been down into that whole MMA game for a long, long, long time. All right, you're, you're you're still one of the players here at age 34 in the welterweight division. It's always a deep division. Yeah, so, it's crazy. your it's opinion, crazy, yeah. besides yourself, who do you think right now is the best yeah. welterweight in the game? Is there one guy that stands above the rest? Um, I think um, I think a few guys actually, man. I think uh, I think you know, Terrence Crawford is a, is is definitely um, one of the best in the division. Um, I think Earl Spence, of course, is one of the best in the division. Um, um, I think to be realistic, out of everyone, um, yeah, I mean those two guys are going to be the two guys that's going to be that's going to be hard to beat, or or they're going to be one of the ones that's that's going to try to take that that I mean top spot really really soon. But those two guys, I have a lot of uh, you know, I have a lot of you know expectation to see them um, really continue to uh, you know work their work to the top of the welterweight division. Of course, you know Danny Garcia, you can't you. You can't put nothing past him either. Um, you know, I mean, tough guy. He only had one loss to Keith. Um, you know, dangerous in the exchanges. So, um, you know, we're going to see what he does with, um, you know, Sean Porter. But I think my two top guys right now are, 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 are uh, 
you know, Errol Spence and, um, and Terrence Crawford, for sure. Yeah, oh, the two, two excellent fighters. And right now, Spence in the headlines because Mikey Garcia calling him out, wanting to move oh, up yeah. two weight classes from lightweight. That's some dare-to-be-great-ish, Andre Berto. And I know yeah. you know 147, yeah. you don't fool around. So when you look at what Mikey wants uh-huh. to do, is this a smart move in your eyes? I mean, I think I think a guy like Mikey that's been in the game for a nice bit of time, his family's been in the game like they have. Um, I think Mikey sees something. I think he sees something. I don't think that he would try to take that jump, um, you know, if he wasn't confident in some type of sense. Um, I think he sees something um, in Errol Spence that he believes that he can probably take advantage of. Um, you know, in between fights, you know, I hear Mikey, you know, gets pretty big, and I know for sure um, – you know, some time ago, you know, he spars big guys anywhere. I mean, I know that uh, he helped, you know, Mike Donna get ready for a few fights as well. You know, and I hear that he really, really holds his own, you know, with Mike Donna. So, so I don't think it's going to be too much of of a of a uh, of a crazy jump, you know, for him. Um, you know, but like I said, of course, it's going to be a crazy challenge. But just like when, uh, you know, Pacquiao fought, uh, you know, De La Hoya, they thought that he was outrageous for doing it. And, you know, you know I mean, he, I think he's seen something. He came out with victorious. But, but of course, you know, Errol Spence is a different beast. You know, like Errol Spence is still young. He's young. He's hungry. And, and um, you know, he's going to want to probably try to make an example, you know, out of, you know, Mikey Garcia for trying to test him like that. You know what I mean? But I think it's going to be a type of fight that Errol – of course, isn't going to take Mikey lightly because if he does, it can be a problem because, you know, Mikey has everything to gain from that type of fight um, and Errol has everything to lose from it. So um, so I believe that both guys are going to go into the situation, um, you know, you know, very smart and, 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 you know, and just knowing what they have at stake. Hey, that's some world-class analysis right there. I, I, I'm, they don't, sure. I, I don't have a direct line to Al Heyman, but maybe we can get you in the, in the booth <laughs> at the next PBC fight, all right? Cause, cause you know what you're talking no, about for here. Sure. All right. For sure. I love the, the, tri- the, the fight, I guess, rivalry you've had with Victor Ortiz. I, I, I jumped the gun and just said yeah. the word trilogy there. Would you ever see a need <laughs> or a want to do that a third time? Cause I even love the build up to that fight that didn't happen when you guys almost fought a second time. Showtime had yeah, cameras, did a big good. series. I just love this rivalry. Will we ever see it again or did you put it to bed in 2016 when you knocked VO out? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I felt that I kind of put it to bed. Um, you know, I mean, this last go around because I felt that that's the way it should have went the further go around. But, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I guess I have to just wait and see. You know, right, the, right. if if they put that if they put the right money on the table, it could be. But you know, like I said, all you know, all focus on this weekend. Now, just one more question there about Vo. After the fight, when you knocked him out in the rematch, twenty sixteen, you got hit in the face with yeah. a pizza box. It was the, one of the most wildest things we've ever yeah. seen. What was your take on that? <laughs> it was it was crazy, man. It was a, it was a uh, it was definitely a hostile environment. And I'm in Carson. Every time I fight in Carson, it's a hostile environment and um and it was just crazy to see man like he um and he walked to the ring it was a lot of cheers because it's a very high you know hispanic uh uh you know population that comes to those fights um and after he got knocked out man you know when he was walking out 
you know, like they were disgusted by him. And you know, I mean, those old, I mean, those same fans that were cheering for him, they're throwing pizza boxes at his head, oh, and man. throwing shit at him. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. That is crazy. crazy. All right, Andre Berto, yeah, this man. is a great fight here against Devin Alexander, the Southpaw. What is it going to look like? Yeah. What, what can the fans expect? Man, a lot of uh, you know, two great technical guys. Um, a lot of speed, a lot of power, um, a lot of explosiveness, and um, I mean, they got it's going to be a tremendous fight. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, they know me. They know me for a long time. I've, I've been, I've been the top of this division for a very, very long time, and they know what I bring to the table. Um, and of course, you know, Devin Alexander is coming to prove something. So, um, and you know, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to let him, uh, you know, come off easy trying to prove anything to me. So, um, so, you know, it's going to be a good one. Do you have a favorite punch you ever landed? It's kind of a weird fan question, but I was looking over some of your fights and I'm like, that uppercut that dropped Miguel Rodriguez in yeah, 2008, maybe yeah. that right hand that took Freddie Hernandez's soul yeah. two years later. Is there a favorite punch for you? <laughs> I think, I think if, I think from everybody, man, everybody, you know, feels that, I mean, that uppercut is my favorite, you know, punch. And I think it is too. I mean, I've, I've just caught so many people with it. I've just always been, um, you know, I've been a tremendous Mike Tyson fan when I was younger. And, uh, and I used to just watch him over and over and over. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fighters, they kind of neglect that uppercut. And, um, you know, throughout my career, man, that's kind of been like my little money shot. I love it. I love it. All right. To close here, Andre Berto, this fight against Alexander, if you win, it certainly puts you right back in the, in the conversation for a world title. No question. But you're at an for age sure. 34 sure. where you got a name. I mean, you fought Floyd. Yeah. You've done big things. So what? Yeah. How much more do you want to do? Do you want to pick off money fights? Are you going after a title? What What are you after these days? I know, man. That's what I've been hearing a lot, man. These interviews, like it still bugs me out that that uh, you know that we've been you know fighting at this top level. I've just walked away, you know, I mean, division for the last you know fourteen years, um, and and still in these type of conversations, um, you know, it's crazy, you know, but it's definitely a blessing. Um, and like I said, we'll see. We'll see. Like we got a chance to to accomplish many things and fight the best in the world. I mean, win world titles and 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 to and to still, you know, have that. You know, I still have that competitive spirit to go after another one. So uh, you know, so like I said, we'll see. We'll see. We're gonna handle business Saturday night, and then we um uh, and then we go from there. Saturday night on Big Fox, the big network, Nassau Coliseum, Devin Alexander, Andre Berto, thanks so much for the time, buddy. Always a great, always a great, honest chat with you. So best of luck with you. Always. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Rafe, I, 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 I said it before. I'll say it. That may have been my favorite interview I ever did. Like, that was great. Berto's the realist, right? Uh, every 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 consecutive successive interview is going to have to be that now, Brian. It's it's just it's it's gonna happen. That was that was money. I mean, Berto just uh, talking about people throwing pizza at Vo. Talking. I mean, I just this is this is what I live for, right? He's moving that merch right now on that website on the Harvest. He's moving the merch. All right. <laughs> I, I I enjoy the way that he loves just needling Sean Porter about being a mauler and sort of a pain in the butt to fight. You can tell he's still salty about having lost that one, but I like the way he expresses it. It's not, I don't know if he's totally right about not being hurt and it just being headbutts, but uh, it's it's fun to see someone give Porter a little bit of guff. Now, look, Birdo gets a lot of crap because he was the outside of James Forrest 
I'm sorry, Vernon Forrest. James Forrest was the power forward on Georgia Tech in 92, remember, with uh, Malcolm Mackey and uh, a young Travis Best. You remember that team? John Barry? That was a good team. It wow. wasn't the Final Four team from 90 with Kendall right, Gill. Right, that's the Kenny Anderson, Dennis Kenny, Scott Dennis, team. The 3D, right? 3D? Yeah. No, no, what were they called? They had, they had Lethal Weapon 3. Brian Oliver, Kenny Anderson, Dennis oh. Scott. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, that felt good. Bobby Cremens, yeah. Right in the field hole, Rafe. Take me back. Take me back in 1990. Rafe, Vernon Forrest was the OG for Heyman, right? Then Lamont, yes. then Lehman Brewster. But Berto was the OG for the modern HBO takeover and then Showtime takeover, Heyman. So people are always going to hate him. No one, People will not forgive him for being the first soft match Heyman guy who's always making $2 million against Freddie Hernandez and not necessarily fighting the big guys. But how can you not love and respect Berto? Rafe, he's given us many, many, many fun fights. I mean, you remember the Carlos Quintana War? You remember Urango Stevie Forbes was a fun fight? David Estrada, that was a fun fight coming up. And that's not even talking about VO1, Guerrero. Colazzo, man. That fight, I mean, I don't know. I don't really think he won that fight, but that Colazzo fight was awesome. Great. So was the Jose Cito washed knockout fight was fun. The Robert Guerrero were the Soto Carras. This guy brings it. Love yep. this man. I love th- I love you, Andre Berto. You didn't I, you, you didn't have I, a I, prayer against Floyd, but I love you. The harvest is still coming. It's a long harvest. All right. Will the harvest come on Saturday when he fights Devin Alexander? Number one, do you care? Number two, is Berto gonna win this thing? Uh I care a little bit, and I do think I think he's gonna win for a couple of reasons. Um, Alexander, he looked okay against VO, but didn't look great. I, I think Berto actually had some nice analysis when in in your interview with him when he was saying he didn't do enough to separate and discourage VO. And and we've seen at this stage of his career, Ortiz, it doesn't take much if you can, you know, hurt him a little bit. He's gonna find a way to end the fight for you. Do you admit uh, though he was extra focused in that? Devin fight because he knew he had to save his career. Yeah, he had to save his career with it. With no, a, I don't believe that. I, I do. Think he's I, same, I believe in it. He is who we thought he was. Oh, uh, Devin you. just couldn't bring it out of him. Um, and so, um, but and, and I think also just Alexander is good enough to basically be in all of these fights, but not doesn't seem like he's at the stage of his career where he's going to be doing enough to put himself over the top in them. Uh, so if it goes the distance, which I kind of think it will, and it is a close back-and-forth fight where neither guy looks like a million bucks, I think that Berto is the name who gets the push here uh, and not Alexander. I think Alexander was brought back for precisely this kind of fight, and he will serve his purpose, and, and Berto will, will march on into some hor- – like the winner of, of Porter Garcia, and oh, we'll no. all be so pissed off. No, you know what I want? And there was talk about this. Luis Colasso getting the winner. If it's Berto, oh, a yeah. possible Berto Colasso two That's grudge match, old man Welter's grudge match contender idea. That's a great fight right there. So I think when they brought back Devin, I think Al thought he was going to take Vic Vo's soul, and then Al was going to serve him up the trilogy to Errol Spence. That's what I think he thought Devin was going to do, but wow. Devin lo- didn't look great. So Rafe, something happened to Devin. I know he had like depression. He had some things when he- when his career fell off for a little bit. I don't think he's he's mentally back where-, where he where he needs to be. I hope he is. It could be a fun fight on Saturday if he is. But I'm going to pick Berto. I think Berto could maybe stop him too. It's but- possible. Although he- I- we haven't even seen Devin hurt that bad. Have That's we? true. No, no, you're right. I mean, he is a durable, dude. He's a tough dude. Uh, hey, shout out to Legends Bar and Grill in St. Louis, Rafe. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of action there on Saturday. I'm picking Birdo to win a decision. Sl- little sloppy decision. I'll take that. I'll Same take here. that. Uh, co-main event, 
Kid Chocolate, Peter Quill. Remember that name? I love that man. Hey, in terms of people that we interview that are good dudes, Peter Quillen's one of the realest, best dudes in the sport. He also gets a lot of hate. I love that man. He's going to fight Jay Leon Love, the original Floyd Super Special, in a 10-round super middleweight bout. What are your feels telling you right now? I'm, I just like it. I think both guys are basically near the, they still have names, but zero meaningful reputations in boxing at this point. So it'll be just, it'd be funny to see what they both have left and which, which one of them is, who's, is, who's, who's not washed. I don't know. Quillen's 35. Out. He came back last September and he fought that guy, the MMA fighter, Deshaun Johnson. He's the dude who dropped Sergio Mora off camera when you and I were at that December 2014 Night of Champions Friday Night Fights in Temecula. Maybe in Temecula, Rave. I was there. The fight before he was on ice skates against Daniel Jacobs. I hope Quillen can bounce back. He's going to win this fight against Jay Leon. Jay Leon gets, I don't know. Why do we hate Jay Leon? Is it because he's a Floyd guy? Is that why people hate him? Uh, well, he, he tested, po- he's a Floyd guy. He tested positive. He got a robbery win over, um, Gabe, Gabe, Gabriel, good boy, Rosado, uh, in, oh, on the undercard of Floyd Guerrero. Yeah, I think it was a good boy too. Yeah, you're right. All right. I'm going to tell, ask you, this is a deep undercard, like one of those that you might want to be there to see because you'd care a little bit. I need an answer. Yes or no. Do you care about these, these undercard fights? Sergey Lipinets against Eric Bonet, 10 round welterweights. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah, in. I, 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 that's kind of sloppy. I like that. Marcus Brown against Lennon Castillo, 10 rounds light heavyweights. Are we ever going to see Marcus Brown fight somebody? What happened to that guy? Well, he uh, he got in trouble with domestic violence and oh, got dropped right. off the Kovalev card and, uh, you know, now has to go on with his career. Still unbeaten, um, 21-0, 16 KOs. Took Sean yeah, Lenny, Monahan's Lenny Castillo is, a, is an Olympian. I mean, he could be live. I, I haven't seen him fight. I think he has an awesome name. Uh, and Marcus Brown is pretty good. I mean, we saw what he did to Shawnee Monahan. other than that that robbery win. He took over uh, Hot Rod Radislav uh a few years ago. Um, but um, Marcus, I don't know, man. What, what are you gonna, I, I care. I guess I care. I care. Yes. Luis Colazzo versus Bryant Perella, 10 rounds welterweights. I care about Colazzo. I don't want to watch him fight this man, whatever his name All right. is. All right. Um, this is not Gary Russell, but his brother, Gary Antoine Russell, against uh, Jose Arturo Esquival, junior welterweight, six rounds. Uh, unless they can get him in there with Bobby Pacquiao or another yes. notable brother, you know, Jose Walter uh, Matisse. Jose Miguel Cotto. Walter um, Matisse, yes. Hey, Gary Antonio Russell is going to face TBA, eight rounds bantamweights. Is that another Gary Russell yes, brother? They're all named Gary, bro. It's like it's like George. I, I, yeah. Um, are any of them good outside of the the main one? I don't think so. But then again, I have no idea. If there's some people who know this stuff, I'm not one of them. I cover three sports. I'm basically surface level at this point. The people only listen to me for the jokes. All right, let's let's be really honest. If you're the guy that's supposed Brian. to know this, okay. I mean, no, don't don't be so hard on yourself, just, brother. It's just you know. I'm young, but I don't think I deserve to be you know. All right. Uh, hey, there's a women's title fight. I'm not even going to read the names. Alicia Napoleon's going to defend her super middleweight. You don't care. Okay. Rafe, Mexico City, be in sports Espanol. Yeah. In, in the main event, Jessica Neri Plata is going to take okay. on Nancy Franco, female flyweights. But in the co-main, Oscar Neri Plata is going to take on RG Corte, eight-round bandwidth. Is this a brother-sister thing or a husband-wife thing? Is this like like uh, uh, Captain and Tennille? What is this? Lenny and I don't Jojo? Know. Are they going to be fighting Kelsey McCarson and his wife on YouTube <laughs> next week? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Hey, tough turn for the for the Charlo brother with the domestic thing. Tough turn there. Tough turn. Uh, look, it, 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 
yeah, it's bad. You don't want anybody to do that, to go through it. Uh, a lot of boxers do. We, you know, uh, you got it. We got to deal with it. Yeah, it's our sport. It. Hey, to close Saturday from Toowoomba, Australia, Alex Leopie. Oh, yes. We out here eating pies. We eating pies. He's going to face Roger Aizan Ratai. I don't know what that means, but Rafe, it's a five round heavyweight <laughs> fight. It's not part of the contender series. Is it a UFC heavyweight final or something? What's what is on? happening here? So it was just a few years ago where the great Alex Leopie uh, was one of those names we mentioned that Klitschko was just lining him up. He's 38 now. He's, uh, he's eating pies. Klitschko's eating pies. Yeah. He's, uh, from Samoa. He lives in Australia. Um, he, lo- by the way, he lost to Malik Scott. He lost to Manuel Char. This guy stinks. Oh, this is a rematch of their technical draw from December. Let's end the show, Rafe. I don't want to talk about this anymore, right? That's it. Hey, shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to, uh, Shane Mosley and Andre Berto, our guys. All right. Shout out to you listeners who stuck with this sloppy episode for a long ass time because you love it. You love when that juice is in your veins. You know what I'm saying? You rub it all over the gum. You, you, you put it on the toast in the morning. People love the fluids that we produce, Rafe. That's right. This is the Derek Chisora versus Marius Wack of podcasts right now. We like it sloppy and long. That's what I'm talking about. Let him shoot his low and then down the stretch do what we do best. When did you think when the did, fight when was starting you... to turn when he Here it is. shot his low? Uh, I love that when South Pals, like when he... Right, uh, I gotta right, say it. Right, I gotta, I gotta say, say it. Yeah, I think this podcast started to turn, uh, probably right after the, the wonderful Shane Mosley interview and, and we just went straight to, straight to hell. All right. Hey, we may be back again with, uh, some interviews next week. Enjoy the fights, Rafe. Rafe Boogs on Twitter. They can sign up for the Respect Box newsletter. They already know two and two, McSorley's, uh, my father and Mark Kriegel and me. They can buy that book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, uh, wherever they want. But Rafe, there's that new project that you've been telling us about. You got any more information about the, the book of basketball? Is that what it's called? Oh, it is a book of basketball, but certainly not the book of basketball. Uh, it's called Basketball, a love story. Uh, it's tied to a big old ESPN documentary that'll be out in October. Book comes out in September, September 18th, already up there on Amazon for pre-order myself and, uh, uh, Jackie McMullen, the director, Dan Flores, all, oh, it yeah. was a, an honor a and Berg very vehicle? lucky for me. That's not but, a Peter Berg vehicle, right? Peter Berg is not attached yet, All right. um, but, but you never when I know. Hear I think Love he's and... attached to uh, Regis Prograde. When I hear the title of your book, it automatically makes me think of uh, Omar Epps in that uh, basketball. Love and basketball. Do you, did he smash in that movie? I've never seen it. Oh, he, yeah, for sure. Sana Lathan, uh, Prime. It, ooh, that is oh, a, wow. that's a classic. You gotta wow. watch. It is an absolute it classic. It looks like a girl movie. I, I don't know if I can, can I go? No, there? no, no, no. It, it's about sports. So it's like a, it's a, it's not a girl movie. Is there good hoop scenes? Is it better than Above the Rim? Terrible. Uh, Omar Epps cannot play basketball. He looks very awkward. Um, but still. It's still, it'll hit you in the feel spot, man. I promise you. Wow. Wow. I don't know if I want those feels. I'll, I'll go. I'll try it. I'll try everything once. I, uh, I love Above the Rim, man. That was such a great movie. Oh, it's the best. That's my, one of my, that, that is up there with the, the blood sports, the movies that I've watched, the last dragons, the movies that I've watched like a hundred times each. I grew up not far from Waterbury, Connecticut, and I always do it like this. If I saw a movie in a theater, Waterbury, Connecticut, and a fight broke out during the movie, that means the movie was special. That happened during the, uh, what's that football movie? The program? 
Oh yeah. Another, some more Omar Epps. I saw the opening night when they had the scene where you lay in the middle of the road in the traffic. Oh, great moments in 90s history. This, we should just, why don't just ditch this boxing idea, just do a 90s podcast. We'll have Necessary like, roughness, baby. Let's get it. Oh yeah. We'll get Kathy Ireland on here and Scott Bakula. That's great. That's great. Hey, uh, that's it for the show this week, Rafe. You got two, a couple words, two words for your fans out there. Anything? We out. <laughs>